everyone. Thank you for tuning in again this week. I am very excited for today's guest. He's a member of the Crispiracy, and I've known him for 16 years now, which is, is pretty crazy to think about. Uh, and actually, somebody that I got to kind of watch grow up, which is pretty wild, a, a unique experience for some of the other guests that I've, that I've had on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Staub. Hello, everybody. How's it going, man? Pretty good. How are you doing? You doing all right? Yeah. You. Uh, how long have you guys been in the new house? Oh, crap. Since January. Man. So a few months. Does it feel like home? Or do you still feel like you're going to somebody else's house? That feels like home. Yeah. Yeah. Playing catch up on a lot of things. But yeah, it feels feels like home. Um, well, obviously, we, we know each other because uh, we are in-laws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Brothers-in-law, much like Nelson and Murdoch, avocados-in-law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Kim has told me about your guys' childhood um, at length for, I mean, as long as I've known her. Mm-hmm. So I, I know aspects of kind of what you had gone through, but um, to your recollection, what do you remember of, because when you were born, um, were there complications at birth or d- did those come later? So from what I understand is I, it was a few months after um, I was born, they, my mom started to see that there, there might be an issue. Um, so I would sit down and watch TV with them. You know, whatever a two year, two month old can watch TV, but you know, I was just sitting there and my my head would be off to the side, right? So my mom brought me in to get me checked out, and the doctors just kept kept giving her like, oh, he's just lazy, he'll grow out of it. He's just lazy, he'll grow out of it. Um, so she, you know, brought me in a few more times, and they decided to do an MRI, and they found a brain tumor, um, shaped like this around my brainstem. Oh wow, that's. I didn't realize it was like that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it was around my brainstem like that. So they wanted to do a surgery, uh, of course, right, to to remove that tumor. From from what I understand is they were able to remove like 75% of it. So there's, you know, 25% still in there. Today? Today. Whoa. Yeah. But yeah, as they were removing it, they they stopped it. They stopped removing it because it ended up paralyzing me on the right side of my body. Holy smokes. Um, So, you know, if you can see, you know, my right, left side is much quicker than my right side. Um, Luckily, it happened at such a young age, I didn't really need physical therapy. Okay. But, you know, there's, you know, obvious, obvious issues from that. So. God, that's so wild. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize there was still a mask in there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you go in to get it checked out? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was 18, I had to, I believe I had to go in once every, every year. Just to get a, get an MRI to make sure it wasn't growing back. Okay, um, and luckily it wasn't. Um, so I've I've been back a few times since then because I've had these these headaches. Okay, um, and kind of uh, migraines kind of run through the family as well. So oh right. So yeah, it's luckily nothing's been growing. So wow, yeah, that's so wild. And it's interesting to like to know. That it's there. I mean, did you always know it was there or did you like have an issue at school and asked, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so I have these, you know, I have, you know, sight issues, right? Hearing issues. And I think it all stems from having that tumor. Mm. And, and I guess in school, 
they my teachers kind of kind of knew about that you know in, in elementary school so my i would be sitting you know towards the front of the class okay stuff, in, you know in the back of the class so i could hear and see the the, the chalkboard or whatever it was that's super interesting yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I I never knew that there was there was still a, a mass in there. That's mm-hmm. wild. Mm-hmm. Um, were you treated differently uh, by other students? Like, was it was it noticeable enough that kids would ask why? Um, you know, you have to sit closer or things like that. What doesn't necessarily that? Um, there was, you know, I would have this twitch with my head, right? I would be made fun of constantly through elementary school. <sighs> I, I, you know, of course I wore glasses and recess, I would take my glasses off, put them on my desk. Um, cause I didn't want to break my glasses cause I broke them so many damn times that, <laughs> you know, parents didn't want that anymore. But anyways, I took them off and I remember we would line up like a single file line at the door to go out to recess. And there was this, this kid that would take my glasses off my desk, put them on his head and just do the head twitch and <sighs> cross his eyes and all this stuff. And I was like, Man, it was just, yeah, it was, elementary was pretty tough. It was pretty yeah. difficult, you know. D- were you in football? I forget, like. Yes. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, I was still pretty active in, in sports. I, I played football, um, baseball, basketball, wrestling. Wow. Yeah, yep. Did the whole thing. Did the whole thing, yep. Because I remember uh, the thing with your dad was uh, he doesn't care what sport you're in, but you got to do something every year. Yeah, yeah. It was he was and he, he was really supportive with with sports. Um, my brother played baseball. Um, my sister, you know, of course, played softball for a while, mm. and we, you know, pretty active in the summer too. You know, dad owned or ran, I should say, um, the softball league in in, in Malacca, and we all you know participated at one point in a time in our life. So. We were all pretty active kids. It, it, it's interesting to me, like the 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 variations of kind of your personality. Because mm-hmm. when I met you, I was like, "Oh, like a fellow emo kid." <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Um, but to know, especially now, like how you know much you follow sports and mm-hmm. and and um, even doing umpiring and, and things like that, like it's such a there's such different worlds. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you remember, like, was it Kim that got you into that kind of music or did you have friends who were into that? So, yeah, it was, I would say it was in probably junior high when I would be riding with Kim to, uh, to school and there was Dashboard Confessionals EP, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 And I would have Kim just play it every morning going to school and I just fell in love with it, right? Fell in love with that music, that whole genre. And it was, it was, it was really, it was really neat. Um, and I guess around that time is when, um, Kim and I really developed that relationship, you know, and it was something really special because, you know, unfortunately we don't really have that relationship with, with our brother. You know, mm. we have a different relationship, but nothing that close. So right. that's where Kim and I's relationship really took off was kind of that morning, I guess. Right. So it was, it was, it was really cool. It was, you know, dashboard confessional. It was the all American rejects, you mm-hmm. know, swing, swing. Yeah. It was, it was super cool. But I mean, um, in the, that, that kind of jock world though, mm-hmm. not a lot of people that are rocking that shit. Right. Right. They're, they're listening to fucking, you know, 
I don't know, 50 Cent. Yeah. They're listening right. to, I'm trying to think of like when you were in school, like what would have been. 50, cent, 50 Cent's a, is a good launch point. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was them. I was kind of, I wasn't stuck in one group. So there was, there was the jocks and then there was, I guess, the alternative, right? Emo kids. And I was kind of, I kind of drifted between the two. Looking back on it, if I was an outsider looking in, like, who is this kid wearing size zero jeans hanging out with the football <laughs> team? You know what I mean? So, yes, I don't know how much they accepted me, but, I mean, it, it didn't really bother me, you know. Okay. So. <clears throat> and, I mean, um, in high school, were you were you dealing with similar things? Because the only thing that I ever noticed um, was occasionally your, your head kind mm-hmm. of moving to one side. Yep. Um, but I mean, I knew kids on the on the spectrum, and I knew so like I had kind of grown up around kids with, um, <coughs> that's disgusting. Excuse me, sorry. Uh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, not kids with like disabilities, but just something slightly different. And Minnesota, for the whole Minnesota nice thing, when it comes to anybody who's not neurotypical, mm-hmm. they can be so cruel. Mm-hmm. And so I just like trained myself to not address those things. Um, but when you're in school with kids, it's like word vomit. Like they can't help yeah. themselves, but be shitty. Right. So was high school similar in that regard or were people just more standoffish <laughs> to a certain point? It was kind of the same. Um, maybe it was a little, it was a little bit worse than I thought it was, but I kind of, you know, like you were saying, I kind of trained myself to just stop giving a shit. Mm. You know, I'm doing everything that all these other kids are doing. Right. So I never thought of any disabilities that I had or what have you. I don't know. It's just I was doing the same things as all these kids. I shouldn't be treated differently. You know, and when I would see these other kids getting picked on, it would fucking piss me off. And I'll, you know, stick up for them. There's there's a couple of kids that. There was this, you know, this kid that he was very autistic mm. and he would get made fun of. Smartest freaking kid ever, you know? And it just, I don't know how much merit it would, I, I would put it into it, but, you know, it's, I didn't have time for it, you know? It was just, it was, it was tough to see being someone that, that was there. Like, I, I don't want to see somebody else getting put through that, you know? Yeah. So. I, I remember Kim has told me this story a, a bunch of times about how she had seen kids that were, were picking on you and she stepped in and, you know, swung her dick around and was like, yeah. I'll fucking. Yeah, she was she was she was fucking great. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure the timeline in this, but I do remember maybe it was 10th, 9th, 10th grade. I was kind of in that, you know, the jocks would be sitting at one table, right? So they were making fun of me quite a bit still. Um, so then I, I just ended up eating lunch at my sister's table with all her and all of her friends. Oh. And they'll just say, fuck these guys, man. I don't need that shit anymore. So. Well, I, I didn't realize that you, that, that had happened. Yeah. That's another weird thing. Like for listeners who are not from Minnesota, um, when you think of like the stereotypical cliques, for some reason in these small towns, people really clung to that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, I saw very similar things where it was so clearly divided in these ways. And mm-hmm. 
for some reason it needed to be noted or if it wasn't noted there was very passive aggressive shit right where like the people who you hung out with one weekend are not inviting you to anything else exactly after that point and it was just so fucking weird to because i was a a, you know i would bounce around what are they called social butterfly or whatever sure yeah um and yeah i never i never really understood it but I mean, add to that the just, and I think that has to do with parents too, where like, instead of discussing, uh, you know, how you need to treat everybody equally, they would just say, oh, just don't look at that kid. Mm -hmm. It was very much like, turn away and let's not talk about it, which is not the right approach. Right. Um. So, yeah, I mean, that only can turn into then it's going to be whatever that kid's interpretation is. Mm -hmm. Oh, this kid is different. And when I was growing up, you just left them alone or or pretended that they weren't there or whatever. Mm -hmm. And when kids are still developing, they're going to either ignore you or be shitty. Right. And and that's a lot of the stuff that I saw when I was in high school. Yeah. So, yeah, around that time where I was, you know, kind of. Again, developing that relationship with my sister, you know, sitting at her the, her table and everything. As now that I'm thinking back on it, that's kind of I kind of was losing myself, right? So after I kind of left the group that I kind of you know for the most part grew up with, right? I grew up with these kids. I hung out with, you know at their houses from the weekends, and then those, um, you know how it is, you know, these people fucking. There's one kid makes fun of you, and then this other kid that you think is your friend, you know, they start laughing. It's like, where the fuck do I, you know, stand in this in this friend group now? Yeah. So I think from that point on, too, I, I hung out with older kids, but I also probably started drinking then, mm. and I started, you know, doing drugs then as well. I was going to say, because eventually I know that this stuff started to affect your schoolwork yeah. and, and things like that. 100%, yep. So I went to, I wasn't bad at school. I just didn't give a shit. Right. Yeah. So I, my dad kind of gave me a, um, a choice. He said, you're going to go to faith Christian school, which is from what I understand is if you don't play soccer, you don't get accepted there. I, oh, okay. Um, Either that or you go to the ALC, which is, you know. The oh, center. yeah, yeah, yeah. Asshole's last chance, I guess, is what people like to call it. But so I went there and I ended up graduating a few months later than what I was scheduled to graduate when, in 2008. So I graduated in January 2009. Okay. But if I stayed in high school, I'd probably have to be held back a year. Mm. I think that's how it went. I'm not sure, but I I, I kind of remember that yeah. in in the in the yeah I. It was such a weird thing, but it was so clearly like mm-hmm. because of the environment that you were yeah. in. Yeah. Um, so like the the kids that that once I started to meet your friends, um, these were more of the alternative scene, more yeah. of like the, the the people that I was used to. Right. Um, so when when did you form I, I don't know what else to call them, but other than like band member yeah, like yeah. type friends. So it kind of ties in the whole going to the ALC thing. Cause oh, okay. looking back on that, it's probably the best thing that happened to me. Right. So <clears throat> around that time where I started, you know, drinking and doing drugs and everything. And I had this, I guess, 
folder that I left in my Yahoo email. Mm. And it was just like diaries and stuff that I write. And I labeled it my last year. Wow, I didn't know that. So meaning this is going to be my last year and I hope somebody sees this. Depression took in really hard. Um, I don't think anyone really knew that. No, I I mean, I, it's weird because I had like a, a, a little brother like attitude towards you. Like from, from what I recall, it's like I, you just felt like a little brother and I had already dealt with little brother stuff so mm-hmm. much that I, yeah, I wish I would have known yeah. more of the, the stuff you're going through. So I kind of, doing that, I figured, I've found out that I would rather write than speak. Okay. Mm. So I didn't want to talk about my emotions. I didn't, I just wanted to go to school every day and I just wanted to, you know, work, I guess, and then come home and just keep adding to that journal. And even though it was titled my last year, I didn't want it to be my last year. Right. So I remember one day, um, I had left school and I was sitting on the curb on the side of the school and one of my good friends at, or I didn't know him at the time, but he would soon become probably my closest friend. Ethan is his name. He, he walked by and said, Hey, I heard you, I heard you can vocalize yourself. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> so I was, I, I, da- I, I played a little music, um, before then with somebody that went to school with Kim and it, it, turned, oh. it, it turned out to be bad. It was bad. It was just, you know, I, I, I played bass and I, I screamed. Right. But <laughs> it's, 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 it's funny to think about now, but I played bass, but I wouldn't plug my amp in. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So it was of that, and you know, we'd play shows and people would notice that like, I didn't hear one fucking <laughs> riff from this guy, right? Um, so, and then I, I, there was this part of the song that's so fucking emo. There's this one part of the song that says, I am so sorry. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Adam, can I, can I try to scream this? He's like, yeah, man, that's totally fine. And I didn't have a mic at the time. So I, when that part was coming up, like, Adam would step aside and I'd come over and I'm like, just scream, I am so sorry. You know, for, like, for those who are interested in, in what this might sound like, just go <laughs> listen to some Under Oath. Uh, great, Ugh. great band. Um, but I, th- I think like Under Oath, especially for the Minnesota scene, was such a, um, a like, I, I feel like a good example of like what a lot of bands were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it was fucking huge, man. Like what? That's what do teenage kids do these days now? I don't know if that Christian rock isn't around anymore. You know what I mean? Oh, that's the other thing that, that I completely forgot about that. How weird it would be to hear somebody like screaming until their vocal cords are bleeding, right? And then be like, yeah. put their hands up and be like, to our father <laughs> tonight, and like everybody in the crowd is sweaty and right. like bruised from fucking fight dancing. And- yep. <clears throat> hold up just, their lighters from just lighting up their joints but going to church tomorrow yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so fucking weird but it was for whatever reason such a, a massive point uh to be like but that also breeds 
uh, shame. Yeah. And yep. you, you saw so many kids like go off the deep end because, mm-hmm. you know, we're supposed to be doing this, you know, this music to further our spirituality and our connection to, to God. And, yeah. uh, but like any metal scene, drinking is massive, mm-hmm. a massive part of it. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> Back to what Ethan said to me was, you know, you can vocalize yourself. He 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 knew that. Oh, from, okay. From you know the last group I was in, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, you want to try out for for our band?" I was like, "Ah, oh, sure, why not?" And they were, they were practicing in the basement of a, a church in Malacca. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wasn't necessarily super religious. It was just, I think. There were so many Christian bands that we played with in Malacca. I still, you know, Facebook friends with them, and I look back, and and probably ninety five percent of them were struggling with something. You know what I mean? Mm. They didn't do anything Christian, like you know, whatever that means, I guess. Yeah. But, so I went and I practiced them a few times, and they're like, "Absolutely, dude, you're in the you're in the fucking band," you know, and just they. This is when MySpace was still a thing. Oh yeah. So I went back to their MySpace and they had like some terrible recordings and it was just like, I knew what they were trying to do. Like the dude sounded, they were going for a Creed thing. That's a, <laughs> they sounded, he wanted to sound exactly like Creed. You know, it's like, with arms wide open. I, I was going to yeah, say going full yeah. Scott steps. Oh yeah. Absolutely. What is the incestion? Verdict is <laughs> You know, so um yeah and then we you know it was the band was called behold the irony such um, a good name is it though it is <laughs> so or it was yeah for that time yeah i bet somebody was like fuck i wish i would have thought of that. right no shit right <laughs> um so that kind of i guess cliche to say but i i guess that kind of saved me you know mm. what i mean i would rather write than speak i was able to write and kind of use that platform to kind of be heard, you know? Um, so I played a couple sh- or, you know, practice with them, set up some shows. Um, and it was fucking, it was awesome, man. We had so much fun, so much fun. And we had three different projects from that. And Ethan and I were in all the projects, you know, we would sit in my room, acoustic guitars, writing every song. Um, and it was just, it was so damn fun, man. Um, we were able to get some exposure too, you know, in the the Minnesota music scene. Nothing too big. It was, you know, and we were friends with one of the promoters. Um, I don't know if you remember the Vault in Buffalo. Oh yeah, played a lot of shows there. Um, was Bobby doing stuff? Bobby was. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So we were we became friends with Bobby, really good friends with Bobby, and he put us on a show with uh, at Station Four with Ask Alexandria. We came as Romans from Holy first to last. Shit. Um, and bullet for a pretty boy. Right. So for another like side note thing, like, so the way that, um, at least the Minnesota scene would work and Bobby was really good at this. Um, bands would be coming to town and Bobby would load up as many local acts yes. as he could, uh, within whatever time frame, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to, you know, get kids that are coming to, to recognize that we have this shit in Minnesota too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was super fucking fun, man. It was, and it was probably 
three weeks before the show, we he, so he gave us pre-sale tickets. He gave every oh, yeah. every every local band pre-sale tickets. Hey, sell all these fucking tickets. Give me the money. That's how it was. It was business, right? So I remember we played a acustic show at a Hot Topic in St. Cloud. Yeah, I, Kim, I remember was still yeah. impressed as fuck. Yeah, so we it, it kind of it didn't go the way we wanted it to. Um, so Ethan and Michael was a drummer at the time. They're they're big big into uh, crotch rockets. So they each had a crotch rocket. They're like, oh, we gonna drive this crotch these crotch rockets to 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 the mall in St. Cloud. And I'm like, so I have to fucking drag this PA system, I was gonna say. everything <laughs> to the fucking show. And they're like, so we practiced the night before with the PA system. So it's like. You know, these mics, you know, so I can like um, quietly scream, right? But I don't know what happened that day, but we didn't didn't end up bringing the PA system. So I'm fucking sitting there on the chair and these guys are fucking playing the music. I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do, guys? You know what I mean? But we had those pre-sale tickets in my in my element backpack because that was a thing to do back then, right? Yeah. Have an element backpack. I don't give a fuck if you don't ride a skateboard. Get yeah. an element backpack. So I had all the tickets in there. And I think I left my backpack there. <laughs> so I don't know how many fucking kids got free tickets. <laughs> but so we didn't, we really didn't have any money to give Bobby. So there's, there's this band that came down from uh, somewhere up north and they're like, hey, Bobby, here's two grand. We want to play the show. All right. You guys are fucking out. These guys are in. Oh, yeah. That was the end of the band. We called it quits after that. It was, wow. I, you know, and, it was it was a super bummer super it's it sucked man and that was kind of where our relationship with bobby kind of yeah it got weird because you know the the concept was good like to to get kids you know because street uh street teams were huge Mm -hmm. and um it's a if people are meeting actual band members it was so it was like a good concept but then yeah when bobby learned that he could just get bands to pay their way onto a show. It, mm-hmm. it got kind of shitty and yeah. yep. people got a bad taste in their mouth for what Bobby was doing and it turned into a whole thing. I, I don't know how we got as much, much exposure as we did. You know, we we're playing shows with pretty decent bands, you know, we, there's uh, if, for all those sleeping, these hearts, mm-hmm. you know, and becoming friends with those guys and um, children, 18, three, you know, it was, you know, these bands signed to Tooth and Nail Records, Fearless Records, you know, it's just, we didn't have any songs recorded. How the oh, fuck wow. did we get exposed? Like, yeah, it was just, it was crazy, man. It was, it was, it was really, it was really cool. It well, was that a, was a time when actually that mattered. Like, yeah, like yeah. the way that you played at a show, mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, so-and-so's opening up. We got to stick around for you know, whatever. Like, yeah. So that was kind of cool. Like, I don't know how many kids really came to see us. Right. There was maybe two or three, but I'm like the, they're coming to see us only knowing the live band. Right. Right. So it was pretty cool, I guess, in that aspect. Well, because I mean, it, depending on where you're playing, like if you're playing at the garage, mm-hmm. like you could either stick around for the opening band, go out front, smoke cigarettes, or <laughs> go into like the bus pit, Try to get into the bus pit to try to meet the band. Right, right. So if the, but if the opening band was good enough, then people would stick around Mm -hmm. rather than going and doing that other shit. So like, yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, you know, being friends with these bands, like, you know, these hearts, they they had their CD release um, show at the garage. 
and they had asked us to play with them. You know, so just it's super cool, just networking, right? Yeah. So yeah, it was it was fun, but it was you know, I guess that's really where the entertainment aspect of me came out. I really wanted to stay in entertainment in some way or another, so mm-hmm. that kind of you know took off, I guess. Yeah, but it was you know writing that music and playing that music and in front of these kids that are looking at me as a performer, but those, these kids are probably in the same boat I am at the time. Right. You know, with this depression and, and alcohol and drugs. So yeah, it's, it's, it's what they look forward to in the weekends, you know? Yeah. For so sure. I, I like just entertaining kids. It's kind of where the whole, you know, later on in life where that whole wrestling thing came up. You know, mm, oh yeah. 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 So just trying to stay in the entertainment. So Twitch, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So all that stuff. Well, I mean, okay. So while this this band stuff is going on, mm-hmm. um, at uh, at what? I guess I can't, I can't remember if you were still trying to make music or if it had just ended when uh, you met Harlow's mom. So I met Harlow's mom when I was sixteen. Okay. Um. So this was before music. Before music. Before okay. music. The first time I left the. Behold the irony. I was fighting for custody for Harlow at the time. And I wanted to kind of, I left the band because I wanted to focus on that. Right. So. That I remember, which was, which was huge because mm-hmm. we we're still young enough to be like, well, you're going to give up the band, dude. Mm-hmm. And like, it's easy to think that now, mm-hmm. but um, back then it was a big deal. So oh, it was yeah. a, that was a, that was a, pretty massive turning point in in the way that i viewed you yes because that's a huge decision to make Mm -hmm. was that influenced by the way you were raised and like like you guys didn't have the best childhood and i don't mean to like shine a a shitty light on Mm -hmm. your guys' situation but like it was very and people throw this word around a lot now but i think toxic is a really like there was just so many scenarios that mm-hmm. everybody's tactics of survival were different and it, it was tough to watch. But yeah, when, when you, when you made that like declaration that, you know, you were going to focus on, on trying to be a, a father to your, to your daughter and to make sure that you could have time with her. Um, there was a pretty clear shift. So yeah, I, I guess long question short <clears throat> was your upbringing did that flash through your head to say, I, I want to make sure that I give a, a better chance to, to my daughter? 100%. 100%. Um, I know Kim feels the same way as I do growing up, watching our parents and their marriage and the way they brought us up. Our number one thing was <laughs> we know what not to do in a marriage. We know not what what not to do raising kids. I remember I was speaking of, you know, Harlow, I was fighting for custody and everything, and her mom didn't really want me to see her. So she had messaged me on Facebook asking me to sign my rights over to her then boyfriend. They're not together anymore, besides the point. But she had asked me to sign my rights over. And I remember I had marched downstairs and I was like, This is, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I had no fucking shot, no shot. And I told my dad that. Yeah, she she asked me to sign my rights over. <laughs> he says to me, "Is that really that bad of an idea, though?" <sighs> I was like, 
Are you fucking kidding me? I just, I just didn't say anything. I just walked away from him. And I guess from that point on, you know, prove that son of a bitch wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, God, that's such a, you know, you work so hard to get on the same level as him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, common interests, wrestling, sports, yeah. um, all of these things. And then mm-hmm. when you think that, you know, he, you understand each other to whatever extent to hear something like that is just. It was heart wrenching, uh, you know. Um, so of course I didn't stop there, you know. Um, that was tough, tough to watch. Yeah, I there was there was a couple times I don't know I don't really quite remember when she um, let me come over to to be with Harlow for a couple hours. But every time I go over there, I'd bring my mom and and Kim would come with me and. We had just got back from Hibbing, I'd say, a couple weeks before the first time I went over there. So I'm wearing a hit. I remember this, you know, very, very well. I was wearing this Hibbing shirt, you know, it had blue blue strings on it. And I'm holding Harlow. And she's just looking up at me, playing with my strings. I'm like, this is crazy, man. I got to keep fighting, you know. I can't, I can't just come over here for two hours every two weeks to be like... I'm a father, you know, you know what I mean? I remember that was like one of the first times that, and this is like, I think hubris is the right word, but my family was able to like charm people into not being so shitty. Mm. And I remember we tried really hard to create um, like really hard for wanting Harlow's mom to want to be a part of this family Mm -hmm. you know i we get that like things in malacca are tough but kim and i are around we're available this and that and like Mm -hmm. and um i think she just had such negative influence yeah at at home that it was like impossible yeah to get her to 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 come around yeah it was you know some things happened you know of course between her and i but i mean and and you knew her uncle, right? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember because he was another photographer. Yeah, that's what that was it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I remember talking to him and <laughs> he was not super hopeful. Um, and then obviously they were, God, I'd forgotten all about that. Um, yeah, he was a photographer and a rollerblader. Yeah. And I remember how weird that was. <laughs> yeah. Because... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, because it was something with, I can't remember if it was like suggested friends or something. And I was like, "What? The, how the fuck do you guys know each other?" Right. And he right. was like, "Well, technically, I'm her uncle." Because the age difference wasn't that right. <laughs> wasn't that great. Right. But yeah, because um, eventually he stopped talking to me, and I think it's because of whatever her family was mm-hmm. saying was making it um, really tough. And at that point. Uh, lawyers were starting to get involved, and yes, yep. So, any <clears throat> th- this is when like you really could print off conversations mm-hmm. and, and do screen grabs and shit like that. So, I think it just became uh, it was I, mucky. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think somebody must have said something to the effect of like, you know, the <laughs> family's dealing with this, whatever weird re- friendship yeah. you have with him needs to go away. Yeah, <clears throat> yep, and. Through that whole, you know, fighting for custody, um, I remember I was sitting at a Chinese restaurant in Malacca, and my, who was it? It was one of my parents did message me and said, hey, 
You just got served papers, dude. <laughs> so I went home and I got, I got, you know, they brought sent papers all over to my house for, you know, child support and everything. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's right. So you're not letting me see my daughter, but you want money out of me? I'm like, come on. So, um, so we ended up going to court, right? Mediator. And then, um, so sh- this is such a wild story. Like, I want to preface. We've, we, as like a unit, we all felt like, like, how is she able to get away with these mm-hmm. things? How does Chris have no rights? And your dad would explain, like, how in Minnesota, like, the father has basically no rights. Like, yeah. it's impossible to win any of these cases. Yeah. And so th- <laughs> their family felt so confident, right? Am I talking about oh, the yeah. right thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Their family felt so confident that they didn't get a lawyer. Exactly. Exactly. That's the point I was going to make. So goddamn confident they felt they didn't need a lawyer in court. Okay. So her mom was on her side and my lawyer, of course, on my side. And, you know, we telling the judge, you know, this is what we, this is what we're, we decide on. This is what we're going to do, you know, every other weekend. Um, I remember her, her grandma at the time, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. She, you know, tried to stood up, tried talking. And the judge is like, who the fuck are you kind of thing? Like, <laughs> you're not an officer of the law. What the hell are you doing in here? And kind of thing, you know? Um, paraphrasing but you know yeah no i know um, i don't know what you mean and so it it kind of from that point it kind of shifted a little bit back towards me i guess but there were so many allegations being brought up like i was a coke dealer <laughs> so crazy insane insane so yeah from the court she wanted me to get a drug test i got a drug test the very next day i'm like okay i'm taking a drug test you're taking a drug test five weeks later took a drug test five weeks yeah anyway, so i mean i took mine the very next day i think kim helped me get that too yeah um, yeah so i was just like we need to get this ball rolling because this was probably yeah this is nine months into arlo's life and i'm still trying to get rights it's just it, it wasn't right man no it, it was i mean i remember the day <laughs> the day of the of that hearing um, like listening to all of the the shit that they tried to pull, mm-hmm. and at every turn, your you know your lawyer would be like, "My client will take a drug test right now," mm-hmm. and and then I think they just turned to sobbing, right? They just yeah. started crying like crazy, and yeah. the judge was like, "Yeah," and I mean I don't remember everything that happened that day. Um, it's kind of a, a blur, but I'm happy that it was over, you know. But that was like that changed everything because we like then we were all like someone actually saw what chris is going through Mm -hmm. like on a legal level Mm -hmm. which is massive there are so many dads that don't get that opportunity um i don't i guess i don't know what it's like now but back then um shit was still really 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 tough and yeah it was tough and you know of course the whole that was kind of where little bit of the music was going on and, and, and the depression really, really hit, took over that. Cause I'm like, I have no rights, man. What the fuck am I doing? You know? So, um, you know, fast forward a couple of years after that, you know, we kind of dealt with that and everything. And she had brought me back to court cause she wanted more money. Oh yeah. And, um, I remember making that video of Harlow because yes, 
Oh, yes, you did. Yeah, you made a video of me and Harlow. Because we were like, we don't know how much fucking time Chris mm-hmm. is going to get with her. And exactly. so I, I spent, yeah, hours, you know, trying to get as much as I could and, and make something so that, like, in the worst case scenario, you know, years down the line, because uh, of her mom, you know, not being able to see her, you could have something to be like, look. We we have a relationship. Yeah. You are, you are my daughter. Like I don't know. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> every time I every time I see that video, man, I cry. I loved it. So thanks for doing that. But do you remember that she had messaged you after you made that video mm-hmm. because my house address was on the fucking door. I don't want to know. I don't want people to know where my daughter is. And that was nuts because I called her because I was like, oh, she'll just trust me, mm-hmm. and it was. It ended very badly. Yeah. So I even re-edited the video to get the house number out of there, and she still Man. was like, it, it, and so that video went lost for mm-hmm. a long fucking time. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking Kim, you know, hey, where's that? Where's that video that Chris made? I'll talk to Chris, and but you know, at the time it was in the vault, I guess. Right? Yeah. So well, I mean, my brother ended up rescuing it off of an old hard drive. Finally, oh really? Yeah. Oh sweet. So yeah, I do. I do have it. Uh, that, but that was like how insane it was. It was like yeah. I can't post it anywhere. I tried having it on like a private thing on YouTube, but then that got ganked because of the song or something. Mm. Um. So yeah, it was just it was safe on Facebook because at that time they weren't doing, you know, copyright shit. Oh, but yeah. but yeah. I just couldn't have it on there. Yeah, um, so it's dumb of me to think that I thought it was over after that, but it wasn't. Oh, so man. she brought me back to to, uh, to court to get more money, more child support. And at the time, we had to submit our pay stubs. So when Harlow was, was but she wasn't quite born. I, I, I worked at Pizza Hut. <laughs> like, so... Like, I got to get a full-time job. I can't be doing this shit anymore, you know? So I ended up getting my uh, nursing assistant license. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was working 12-hour overnights. So I was fucking 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. on the dementia unit, locked unit, and going crazy after that. But anyways, so I'm getting like 72, 80 hours. And so we had to submit our pay stubs. She So she saw my pay stubs, and I could see her pay stubs. Eight, 10, 12 hours for pay stubs. So we were in the same courtroom. Um, and, you know. Did she bring a lawyer this time? No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> she did not. Um, so <laughs> it's just, it's funny to think about because I don't think I had, I don't remember if I had the same judge, but okay. I remember the reaction to the judge was kind of similar to the first <laughs> one. So they, you know, we I don't want to say her last name. But, yeah, no. Um, you know, miss, well, why Why do you think you need more money? Well, I need, you know, I, I have a friend babysitting her and all this stuff. And like, well, why don't you just work more? <laughs> you know, <laughs> why the hell do you need more money when you're only working this many hours? And, you know, so that's kind of, that's kind of how it went. Um, and I remember my dad was sitting in the back of the courtroom and he was just kind of, you know, Head in hand kind of thing. Like, <laughs> I saw this coming kind of thing. So I get from there. It was it's it's been a roller coaster from there. Yeah. Um. It's not bad. 
Well, I think there was, um, because we've met similar people since, since this stuff started, Mm -hmm. which is wild because as shitty as it was, the stuff that you went through, it was, um, an experience that allowed us to have perspective when we were talking to other people. Oh, sure. So like we would see stuff like this where the, um, I guess grandma in this scenario, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, would instill this weird concept of you find a guy, have a baby, and then that guy is tied to you forever, whether Mm -hmm. you are married or um, just in form of child support. And we saw these cases where, you know, people were, had this shitty outlook on what a family is supposed to be. Yeah. And being able to be like, no, 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 for both sides, this is what happens. And it's horrible because there's no way that she had a good time dealing with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, having this mentality, like being indoctrinated basically to think that all you have to do is have a kid and then you get money or you're taken care of for life. Like all of these things, like it's not true. Right. Unless you go, I mean, to the extreme extreme. Um, but it even then your your kids notice that mm-hmm. absolutely yeah <clears throat> and um kind of going back to when we were in the hospital this is kind of the changing point for our relationship this is where i knew it wasn't gonna work um so after we we found out she, she was pregnant um i was actually at a band practice trying out for a band and she called me and you know tears found out she was pregnant so i immediately left you know i sped to where she was and just sat with her and everything and um we were on and off our relationship was on and off quite a bit and our my last show with behold the irony she had you know spent the night whatever um and then after that it was got text you know i can't do this anymore blah blah blah. and then she ended up seeing another guy yeah 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 um and it, that guy is, is going to be important to this this story. Um, so I said, all right, she, you know, she wants space. I want space. And then we got together again probably a month later. And then not, you know, long after that, we found out she was pregnant. Little thought in my mind, is it mine? You know? Oh. Okay. So... We were together, you know, the rest of the pregnancy and everything. And but at the hospital is that changing point. I had gone outside. I don't know what I went outside for. I went outside to my car, and while that time I was outside, that guy came to visit her. What in the hospital? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yep. And her grandma, you know, was mm. was was there. Um, and she's like, "Whatever happened to him? I really liked him." So that at that point I knew this wasn't this wasn't gonna happen. This wasn't right for either one of us. I it was kind of fractured at that point. And oh so, yeah, I mean that's holy fuck. You know, and even you know a couple of weeks after Harlow was born, I was like, "Is she mine?" You know. Um, so my lawyer um, suggested that I you know get a, some hair and go get it tested, DNA test, right? And the th- more and more I thought about it, I was like, I'm not doing that. 
I I know this guy's not going to be there for her. Yeah. I'm her father. You know, I'm the first guy that she met, you know, when she came into this world. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about DNA testing you all. To this day, there's no question. Yeah. That kid is a stop. So, yeah. So, I'm... I guess I, I, I never really bothered to do that. Unless the other guy has red hair and is <laughs> really into anime, I doubt that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, I mean, okay. So <coughs> beyond that, um, I'm glad you mentioned that, that work aspect of things because mm-hmm. that was the next evolution of Chris that I saw, which was that you were just overworked constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Jesus, nine years of just, it felt like nonstop work. Like yeah. if you were there, like you were exhausted. Yeah. This, um, and this started when I was 19, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it kind of, it got me out of a dark place too. You know, it's drugs, alcohol all the time, playing music kind of got me out of a dark, uh, dark place. So yes, working all those hours, all those overnights. I would still have Harlow every other weekend. And, well, and you were umping. And uh, umping, uh, all this all this, this stuff. But every time I had Harlow, I'm sleeping. So I I knew I needed a career change the day she asked me, Dad, why are you sleeping all the time? That's not the relationship I want, you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I was still at the same place I was at, but I got a different position, you know, Monday through Friday gig. So... Oh my God. It was a lot of work because, you know, it was so nuts. Being a healthy, healthy uni coordinator was what it was called. I was still working as a TMA at night. So I would work till 4 30 and then I would start another shift at 7 and work until 11, 12 just to pay bills, you know? So, uh, yeah, it was so insane. Like, yeah. we, yeah, I mean, you know, before I would see you play video games uh you know um Mm -hmm. black ops or or whatever like we would do shit but then yeah as soon as you started work like my my image of you is always like lugging shit into the house and then (laughs) either slumping like kind of halfway on the table in the kitchen or (laughs) posting up on a couch because it's just you're constantly working or you would only be there for a few hours because you had to go to work mm-hmm. shortly after that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I do, I look back on it. I do regret it because I missed a lot. I missed a lot in my twenties, you know, I'm not 20 anymore. You know, there's a lot of things that my friends are doing. Like on my 21st birthday, what was I doing? I was fucking working, you know, 22nd birthday. What was I doing? I was working, you know? So I, I missed a lot, missed a lot with my friends. I missed a lot, you know, family, Miss a lot with you guys, you know, it was, but looking back on it, you know, it's kind of, kind of bittersweet, I guess, you know, it's things that I've learned along the way. I'm able to have the great family I have now because of it, you know, I'd be able to appreciate the things a little bit better. So, um, at what point was, I'm try, I, I don't even know, like, when did you meet Jess? So I met Jess in, was it 2014, 2015? 2015, yeah. So I was a health unit coordinator still at the at the facility, um, at the nursing home I was working at. And Jess came on as a health unit coordinator, and she was going to graduate with her nursing license in, in two weeks. And so as a health unit coordinator, you really, you're able to 
process physicians physician orders you know kind of see all the medications so it's, she kind of came in as a health unit coordinator to see that what she's gonna see as a nurse i guess right so <laughs> i remember she had short hair and she had a blonde streak you know in in her bangs i'm like God, this chick's alternative you know what i mean absolutely fucking not i was gonna say absolutely not florida georgia line <laughs> is as alternative as we can. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I guess she had a boyfriend at the time. And she's going to hate me for telling the story. <laughs> she had a boyfriend at the time. And I was just, so we were talking, you know, we worked every night together. And uh, I sent her this song. I, actually, Harlow sang, I took a video and Harlow was singing this song and I sent it to her. She's like, oh, that's adorable. It was um, Old Dominion. I know you guys aren't well rehearsed in country. So it was Old Dominion. I was going to say, it sounds awful. <laughs> Oh man, I forgot what the song was called. It's kind of, but it's. Oh, let me take a guess. Old dirt road, <laughs> cut up jeans. Let's drink and drive. Boom, no, country song. Not quite with it. It was more like I'm in love with you. Break up with your boyfriend, kind of thing. You know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's, so I sent, I took a video of Harlow and singing the song. And it's on the radio, and it's like, I know you're not in love with him. Break up with him, and all this shit. It's like. It's, she didn't tell her mom, of course, but they broke up. Hey. <laughs> so it worked. Fuck it. <laughs> um, our first date was, our first date was at a wedding. Really? Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, whose friend was it? It was. Uh, who the fuck was it? Like, were you invited or was she invited? I was invited. Okay, I was invited. So she was my my plus one. I'm like, I I remember I was harping on her for two weeks. Hey, I need a I need a date to this wedding. I need a plus one. I have a boyfriend, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he was in the army too. <laughs> you bastard. No. You hate our country so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. So yeah. And I guess we got married and or married. I didn't get no, we didn't get married. Fuck that. <laughs> I was just so we went to the wedding and from there it was kind of like dumbest place to have a first date, right? Mm. When are we getting married? No, she didn't ask me that. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun. It was just an you know, just a small wedding. But I remember like when we first met her, uh, our whole thing was like, this is this is the one that needs to be a part of the family. Like yeah. we were like, don't fucking, don't fuck it up. Yep. Stop snorting cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> in reality, in reality, I'm just looking for a nurse so she can be my exactly mama, right? i mean look at this place right absolutely <laughs> um so it was a pretty pretty cool story too was um so first time i brought jessica over to meet my parents she told my parents you know they asked her you know where if she has family somewhere and it was up in pengilly and hibbing and everything and my dad was a sheriff up in hibbing so he's like oh fucking really yeah, you know, yeah. My grandpa is, you know, Dennis Samber, you know, all this stuff, and 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 uh, her stepdad, my dad, arrested. Oh, that's so funny. Up in Hibbing, so it was like <laughs> you know three three and a half hours away. Um, so yeah, he's just he's a stepdad was a punk ass little bitch. You know? <laughs> I gave him a 
I would bring him in the office and give him a, a breathalyzer, give him a, a minor because he was a minor at the time, you know. Oh, that's and so funny. He'd tell him a story. He'd just have his feet up on his desk and he'd be like, <laughs> "Get your fucking feet off my desk!" <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just a small world. It was so. From there on, it's like this is this girl's the one, you know. Yeah, she already fits in with the family so well. So. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, she's absolutely awesome, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I mean, just finally fits the dynamic. And for as alternative and whatever, I say this to Kim all the time. You guys can't escape how white trash you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the house you lived in was how that house has not been condemned as of now is right. beyond me. Right. But I mean, you had a shower that was just it, so. If you go to Home Depot, you buy a shower. Home Depot was like, okay, so you're going to install it somewhere. And Don was like, no, I'm just going to have it stand in the basement. <laughs> I just want, I want my kids to, you know, feel like they're in fucking Guantanamo Bay. Right. Like, yep. uh, and then the, the hot water would last like five minutes yep. tops. Yep. Crazy, crazy conditions. And you guys love wrestling. No matter how hard you tried to, say that you didn't uh-huh. you guys like country music you tap your fucking feet along <laughs> <laughs> it was funny kim would talk shit about country but we'd be at a wedding and then a country song would come on and she'd go ah and start singing along i'm like it's my jam see yeah. you fucking you guys it's in your it's in your dna yeah yeah can't uh, plus you were fucking you were dipping oh pff, dipping hard man <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it's funny like you're you're yeah you're white trash small town folk that you know what's more white trash too is that shower man <laughs> you look up and there's no there's no ceiling on yeah, that shower no. right so you look up fucking insulation right above you right <laughs> and i remember my mom had bought us fucking squeegee for the walls of the shower like what well, mom what the fuck is that gonna do <laughs> so crazy uh, yeah i showered and, in that shower one time and i was like this is this I, is insane i <laughs> i had a you know, this is before Jessica and everything, but before I had a girl over, right? And she actually picked me up in St. Cloud because... Oh, I forgot to, to, to clarify. There was another shower. Was there? Yeah. You guys had that fucking tub upstairs. Oh, pff, gross, man. Exactly. Like... Gross. Instead of fixing what was a normal... Like shower bathroom, you guys went. Nah, we'll stay in the basement. That, what's the scary <laughs> thing? You seen that 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 the ceiling in that living room too? Yeah, where that bathtub is, it's all cracked to hell. And oh. my dad's lazy boy is just there. He just watches fucking TV. Oh yeah, that's gonna be the end for sure. Oh yeah, it's done. The Vikings will finally get to the Super Bowl. Your dad will jump up, and, then, and the house will shake just enough that yep. pff, it collapses. Time. A family of rats will fall onto him <laughs> and eat him alive. Yeah, <laughs> gross. So, I, there's one night where I had this uh, a girlfriend at the time. And she picked me up in St. Cloud because I was drunk, you know. Mm-hmm. So she brought me home and she said, stayed the night. And I was, I, Jessica will tell you this too. I take showers at the weirdest fucking time. I take like three showers a day. Mm. It's weird. So I took a shower at midnight once or that night. And I'm, I jumped in the shower and then I go back up. And I'm like, hey, you want to come shower? <laughs> She came and showered, and I'm like, think of that. I'm like, oh, fucking, I, would, I don't even want to shower in that fucking shower. Yeah, the the, the walk down. Oh, I mean, yeah. The fact that Jason 
his room was down there is like so so insane to me. Go in there now. There's cobwebs everywhere. Oh my god! I mean, do your parents shower? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> don't have to. Dad's retired. Uh, but no, I. So it's it's funny. Like <coughs> you finally have somebody who either understands the situation or like it's not out of the norm. So like if we would have continued on that trajectory of like seeing kids and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like coming home to that would have been such a shell shock to be like, who is this man mm-hmm. that I am letting put eyeliner on me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but you know, the, when, when you found out that Jess was pregnant with Brexton, did you have any fears because of what had happened the first go round with Harlow? No, no, nope, nope. I still thought, still knew she was the one, and we were to the point where we're not trying, but we're trying, right, to have a kid. Um, I knew she was the one, so I, oh, I didn't have Brexton. You guys were going for it, yeah. Oh, that wasn't no. an accident. No, no, no. Oh, okay, it's the real deal. Hear that, Brexton? You were on purpose. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, it, yeah, it was. It wasn't an accident. Yeah, we wow. we we were in that three bedroom apartment too at the time. Yeah. So he's the only one that could have been born there. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was such a shitty apartment, dude. But well, I mean, it, it's yeah, it, it's insane to think like how hard you were working just to have, you know, these like slightly better scenarios. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, what that that apartment used to be a hotel or something. I don't know. Or like the yeah, it, I, th- I think it used to be a motel. It looks like it would have been, yes. Right? Like the way that the parking is all yeah. it was just, it was weird. Yeah. Um and then the house that you guys went into was that uh Justice Folks old house? Yes. Yep. So at that apartment I don't know how many times we had to leave that apartment for a gas leak. Oh my god, that's right. Um no, didn't find a gas leak, so we had to there's days where we had to get up get the Brexton up at midnight and go outside and go across the road and just stand there while the firemen showed up, you know, inspected or investigated this and didn't find any gas leaks. Um, there was a lot of shit that went on at that apartment. So when we moved into that apartment, there was actually like a crime scene there. What? Yeah. So it's funny how it all came together. So I, <laughs> I worked, I worked at Walmart for like four months while I was going to school um, and, uh, this coworker of mine found out where I was living. He's like, I have a friend that just went up there and shot up that place. You know, <laughs> uh, not <laughs> went in there and just tried stealing shit. And but like, so when my, I told my dad that, and that actually, my dad was working in the courtroom at the time. He's like, when he saw our apartment for the first time, he's like, where the fuck have I seen this goddamn apartment? And then I told him that. He's like, oh. So he saw pictures of the rooms with fucking blood on the walls and everything. dude. Yeah. So it was white white trash, right? So (laughs) we go from one white trash place to another white trash place. So, yeah. So we, Jessica's parents found a house. And uh, they actually gave us a really good deal on their house. So we moved into that, that house. We just... We were sick of renting, 
right? So we yeah. just wanted to, you know, build some equity, I guess, if we, yeah, if we could. So we lived there for two years, and um, yeah, it wasn't bad. It was, you know, definitely a starter home. Um, ended up selling that house, got in, you know, getting a house closer to my work. So yeah, it's a house we're living in now. I never thought I would live in a house like that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 crazy. Um, when when you start to think of like the, I mean, it'll be interesting for your for for Brexton and and Hadley because, um, hearing stories of where they used to live. Yeah, like I don't, I I can't remember if I've told Landon and Layla like the the place that I lived. When like my first, when my memories first started to form, I lived in a house that we turned the garage into uh, a, a room because we there was you know five fucking kids or at that time four four boys and um we just didn't have room f- for anybody and we couldn't convert there was this door that led to just this dirt room <laughs> it was just a room that was just full of dirt. And half of a car. Oh, Jesus. For whatever fucking reason. We never did anything with it. So, and I mean, I would walk by a homeless guy on my way to school every day. I was, you know, third grade and would walk a mile to school <laughs> through the Jesus woods Christ. where we could easily be kidnapped. And Was that in here in Minnesota? No, this was in, in Oregon. Oregon. Um, and, you know, just the how insane that neighborhood was similar thing uh a neighbor at the top of the neighborhood because it was like shaped like a ladle mm. um there's like a top like flat part it would dip down and then there would be like this you know little bowl basically um so flooding all the time and uh just wild shit but at the top uh a, our neighbor's uncle got shot Ooh. and before the cops showed up the kids came and got us and they were like you guys want to see you know like so we went to their house and i saw blood splatter on the ceiling and it was just like so i there are aspects of my life that my kids will never know Mm -hmm. and so it's interesting to be like they're never gonna know like i mean (coughs) i'm sure landon is aware that he you know for the first year lived with my we lived with my folks but like that's his as poverty stricken as it's going to look mm. for him or that he'll have any like, uh, you know, tangible thing. Sure. And to Brexton and Hadley, they'll be like, I don't remember. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they have a nice big yard and big house to play in. So going back to, you know, you growing up, do you want to give your kids something that you were never able to have? Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And the thing that I wanted to give our kids was uh, trans rights and LGBTQ rights. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it is crazy. Like, um, I mean, our, our kids just have so much more awareness to what the fuck is going on in the world. I mean, I remember uh, you were, yeah, you were way too young, but uh, when Columbine happened, um, that was, the only like school shooting that we had ever heard of or knew about. And the only reason that we knew was because of the news. Like there was no social media to like start being like, Hey, how come this kid was able to have a gun and any of that shit? Like Mm -hmm. it was just this fucked up thing that happened and then everything stayed the same. And, but now 
Landon and Layla at the age of 10 and 13 are like having discussions of gun rights. It's crazy. In man. the cafeteria. Like it's fucking wild. Fucking. I, so I had, this isn't really a school shooting, but do you remember the clinic of Buffalo got shot? Mm-hmm. Shut up. So at my work, we actually had uh, a, gal, uh, a gal there that, you know, was, was working under me. She was went to go get her foot injury looked at. She was in a room as it was getting shot. No way. Yep. So she, for whatever reason, she told the nurse, hey, you should probably go check that out. So the nurse stepped out, looked down the hall, got shot. So she pulled her back in and shut the door. Holy fuck. Um, extreme PTSD. Oh my god! So yeah. we had we're we're gonna line and I don't, we have to have a gas line hooked up to this this line, but it like blew up one day, and she was standing right next to it. Fuck. It was like just like so putting in perspective, seeing that and having seeing these 10, 11, 12 year old kids, like how the fuck are they gonna grow up with this stuff? You no. know, it's, it's bananas. It's crazy. Because yeah, it's it, it's all now. It's always reported. Mm-hmm. So now they have constant awareness to. Mm-hmm. So that's like where we had like poverty and all of this, you know, crazy shit. Like mm-hmm. they unfortunately have the mental warfare that they're gonna have to deal yeah. with, which fucking sucks. That's but. a good point. <clears throat> um, but beyond that, I mean, you're, you know, when I, I kind of glazed over this, but um your your dad's attitude towards you guys having kids was very like it was it was it was hard to get a read on what the fuck he actually felt yeah. about things mm-hmm. um cuz i remember when he found out <clears throat> that kim was pregnant very poor reaction very similar too right granted yep. i was not the best human being <laughs> very poor track record at that point um but then when he saw landon I just, you just saw something change. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't know if he was like afraid of like being able to like show what love looked like. Mm -hmm. So, um, but as you know, so like when, when you talk about, you know, him saying, would that really be such a bad thing from when he actually got to meet Harlow? Like, did you notice a difference? Oh, yeah. Did he seem to, like, fight harder for... He didn't necessarily, I guess, fight, but he was 100% behind me going through that fight, right? Um, Yeah, I, absolutely. When he saw, when he met Harlow, it's, things had changed dramatically, especially with having, what, three grandkids, four grandkids? Four. Is it four at that point? Oh, not at that point. No, no, no. What I'm just saying now, like, oh, oh, like he's gotcha, a gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. much, much, but much better, you know, person than he was before the grandkids. Well, and with each with each grandkid, it's like a little bit of this wall got broken down. Yeah, every single absolutely. time. He didn't, and he as us growing up, he didn't really show us that love. You know? Yeah. Um. There's one time where he apologized. Really, it was insane. So I was really young at the time. I believe the story was he came home from work and he just had a bad day at work, you know, whatever. It's just started fucking yelling. So I don't know who sent us upstairs to our room, but we went upstairs to our room and 
And um, you know that that stool upstairs by the the the, the, the stairs. Oh yeah, yeah. He came up and he sat us all on there and apologized. And I fucking bawled because that is the first and the only fucking time I've heard him apologize. God. Um, but growing up with that, definitely walls have been broken with each grandkid for sure. It's, it's, and I mean, it's, God, it's, it's so, it's so odd. Um, because, you know, it's, it's so easy to like, fall into the patterns of how you were raised yes. and yep. and things like that but like i mean i think it was so good that you and kim did have each other mm-hmm. because you were able to pick up on and it, as depressing as this sounds like you had this hope of what a family could look like and i think clinging on to that and like just wanting to be loved and and prove that you can reciprocate that mm-hmm. um, because trying to prove your worth <clears throat> in that household was so fucking hard. Yeah. Um, I don't I mean, I, I don't know how much of that you're like comfortable with talking about, but like um, from what I saw, it seemed like you guys were constantly trying to prove, you know, that you were capable of becoming somebody. Yeah. Um, it was really important to I, both of us, you know, Kim and I, it's like, we're going to prove this guy, you know, the, them wrong, you know, we're going to be better than what he thinks we're going to be. There wasn't just emotional abuse in that house. There was physical abuse. Um, and there was a lot of things that were told to Kim. I, to this day, have no idea about, you know, um, we came home, you know, we came home. So. I was really young. I think first, second grade. Kim was probably in fifth, sixth or something like that. We came home and I remember my mom picked us up from school. Kim was in the passenger seat. I was in the back seat. And um, we had pulled into the garage and I heard her saying to Kim, like, Kim, you're going to have to tell Chris that his dad and I are getting a divorce. How can you put that on, you know, a fourth or fifth grade girl? You know, and like I remember I got out of that car and I fucking ran. I ran to the end of the road where the highway was. Oh, ran away from the house. Yeah. Ran away from the house. So she had my sister chase me down, you know, and come get me. Um, And that was kind of the turning point, I think, because like you hear this a lot, you know, parents shouldn't stay together for the kids. And that was 100 percent what happened. I think that at that point they stayed together because they saw the reaction, you know, yeah, of me, you know, and, you know, I'm sure Kim was showing some reaction. I don't know about Jason. I don't know. Yeah. That's the only person that I have no idea what he was thinking or what he felt about this I have stuff. No idea. Um, but I mean, as far as your mom goes and I, I, I would have no problem saying this if she were here, but the unfortunate circumstance that she was in, um, you know, more or less being socially forced into marriage because she was pregnant. Um, once Kim came along, that was the only person, this was going to be the only person that she could rely on. Mm -hmm. It's us against him. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, the second that, a, because there are points when a, a child starts to talk to you and you're, and you're like, when did you become an adult? Like it just, it throws you off. Yeah. And if you're in a scenario um, like that, those conditions, you're going to talk to whoever is capable of understanding. Right. Um, and that's so much fuck. You're absolutely right. It's so much weight to put on somebody at that age. Um, but then I know for Kim, it became, I mean, she in that sense had to grow up, but also you guys are terrified of, are they going to stay together? Where are we going to end up? You know, all of those fucking things that, that could potentially happen. Um, it's so hard to, I'm, I, it it was really hard to watch. Yeah, and you know it's it's hard to think that somebody in her position and mom's position wouldn't have the issues she's having mm. going through this, right? Yeah. I also think like the position that she put Kim in was that the position that her mom put her in growing up. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because. Mom grew up with four or five different guys. I was gonna say because not guys, but uh, brothers. You know, well, brothers. Um, how long were? Because how many step grandparents have you had? I think just two. Just the two. Just the two. I think. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, the it's it's just so crazy to think like, you, like, I'm sure to your mom, she had something to prove as well. Yeah. But the social norms at that time didn't match her goals. Mm -hmm. So she was constantly having to uh, sacrifice, you know, the things that she genuinely wanted um, and the way that she thought she should be treated because of her environment, because of the people that were around that would either perpetuate, oh, no, that's how husbands act. Oh, no, Mm -hmm. that's how, you know, these things go. And, and, Beyond that, mental health was non-existent. Non, yeah. Um, yeah. So the shit that she went through growing up, people didn't want to talk about it. You just need to get over it. Whatever you need to do to get over it, do it. But also, we're going to try to control how you are as a as a mm-hmm. woman. These are the things that you have to be as a woman. And I have... So I can't speak on this now, but law enforcement, you needed that hard shell, right? Mm-hmm dad being in law enforcement mom's dad also being in law enforcement oh that's right growing up with that shit growing up the way we did like him coming home from work yelling there's a reason right yeah how bad was it with with her dad you know he you know unfortunately passed away when i was young so i didn't really get to know him too i wasn't too young no i wasn't too young but you know anyways it's just how how was he when he was young wasn't he inhibiting yeah, he was in heading up. So he's far enough away yeah. that, yeah, you don't get that, that opportunity. Yeah, right. Because so, Don sure as fuck didn't want to go no. <laughs> visit them. No, he never. He, I don't think he ever went anywhere with us. He only went up to Hibbing with us for his fucking funeral, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I try to put things in perspective, you know? Yeah. How was it... When, like I said, Kim probably knows a hell of a lot more than I do because I was the youngest, so I was kind of sheltered more. You know what I mean? I wasn't told a lot of the things that I'm sure Kim knows. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I do know 
a lot of that stuff, but I, it's just, yeah, from, from your perspective, it was <clears throat> because then you lost Kim. Yes. Right? So Kim uh, moves out or is just not at home as often. So I, I did see kind of like now you're both surviving on your own to whatever capacity and you didn't have the relationship that at least that I initially saw with you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, cause how long did you live, uh, at that house? Like how old were you when you moved out? 27, 27. I moved out. So the last, the last, um, probably five, six years that I lived in that house, there was definitely addiction issues going on, right? All the, the, the past trauma that mom had gone through was really catching up to her. And I don't want to say like I was taking all the, the brunt of this and everything, but I saw everything, especially when my daughter would come, come over every other weekend. That's a, that's a, actually a good distinction that I need to make is that <laughs> Kim wasn't just there for you. She was there for your mom. So she, you know, was a, a big part of, so yeah, w when, because at that point, um, uh, your mom's friend had passed away. Yep. Um, uh, her name's escaping me. Uh, Vicky. Vicky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, sweet lady. Mm -hmm. Um, I, w <laughs> I went with them to the casino a couple of times. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Wild rice soup. That was my jam. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, but. Uh, so yeah, so th this was, there was no, and she'd had gastric bypass. Yeah. I forgot about yep. that too. Yep. She had gastric she bypass. So fell out of a tree. Yep. Uh, so physically she's changing Yeah, and there were these, you know, moments where like, oh, now that I'm physically changing, maybe the situation will change. Right. But everything stayed the same. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, she's going through so much. And then Kim and I's relationship is, is turning into marriage. It's yep. turning into family. And you guys are just there. Mm -hmm. Just there's, living. There's no. Yeah. And really, like, you guys were, all three of you were living separately oh, yeah. in, in one house. I mean, did did your mom start to, like, try to confide in you in scenarios? Or was she still dealing with shit just in her room? She was she was dealing shit with shit in her room um not much she wouldn't talk to me very much um only when she was under the influence of of you know alcohol or drugs or whatever it was at the time whatever dad would probably be out on partying she would come out and say let's move out you and i need to move we should move out we should get an apartment i'm like mom where is this coming from and like it's there i was like what is going on is she getting out is she getting I know she's. I know that emotional abuse is there, but how far has it gone to for her to get to this point? Yeah. Right. Well, and I'm curious too, like it, because I remember you started to like kind of get away from drinking too. Mm -hmm. Like it just wasn't doing it for you anymore. Mm -hmm. So I mean, at one, I I think a, a few times you and your mom had drank together, but then you started to, like, yeah, that, I really had to become the parent there. You know, that's how I felt. You know, my mom, she's like the greatest person I've known growing up. And to watch her become this, I had to, I had to be there as much as I could. Um, 
it was really really hard to watch and it was really hard to see my daughter seeing that too picking her up off the ground and i try i mean i've tried talking i i remember i tried talking to her and everything and she's just you know not everything's fine everything's fine you know i don't want to talk about it you know just i'm just gonna go to bed you know there's a few times where i had take her keys away from her you know because i didn't want her getting up at midnight to drive somewhere you know so she i kind of i guess i kind of really took off when vicky passed away and you know I, th- I believe her dad passed away before vicky i don't remember the timeline but yeah they were close very close it, it was like the time frame yeah it was dangerously close because i remember i think vicky passed away first or no you know what i'm thinking of is um your step grandpa step grandpa yep yeah fred yep fred yes so i think vicky passed away and then fred passed away and it was just bad timing because it was awful yeah and i like I said, I'm I'm surprised, you know, if if that didn't happen to her, you know, it's it was it was oh, the perfect storm, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'll, the alcohol really set in, and when she wanted to move out, and I I didn't know where to go from there, so I would try to you know talk to Kim and see what she could do because at the time, you know, he, Kim was working in mental health, right? And well, I, and. Kim had the most experience with her. Right. Like in exactly. Like historically exactly. speaking, like Kim was usually the one that um was picking up the pieces or, you know, talking her off the ledge or or, or whatever. Um so yeah, where else are you gonna go? And there's a there's that that there's always that fine line too, because Kim did have a family, you know. Mm-hmm. You guys do have why do I need to yeah, Kim can speak more on this than I can, but how much do I really want to bother her about it? Yeah, you know? But at the same time, like, because of what had happened traditionally, she, I know that she felt like if she didn't do it, then no, because you were still working a fuckload. Yeah. Like yeah. in this time frame, that those hours that we were talking about, all you were, this stuff was all happening yeah. while you were working like crazy. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, worked at the same place I did. Oh, yeah, that's right. So there's times where she wasn't able to work. You know, she had to get sent home. She had to go out the parking lot and sleep in her car. Um, okay, so we were we were talking about this this story, um, which actually like involves like all three of us because I was at a wedding, and uh, when I got the text from you, and I was second shooting, and I told the photographer that I was shooting for like, hey, I might have to go because my mother in law really needs really needs help. So you were talking about how uh, she was incontinent. Uh, yeah. So when she fell and she hit her head, she was, <clears throat> she was incontinent. And I, you know, went to go lay down with her. And at the time, of course, didn't know she was incontinent. So I, you know, of course was wet as well. Anyways, but yeah, was she. Was this at work? Yeah, this was at work. I didn't know you were there when this happened. Yep. So I was, you know, I was working as a health unit coordinator at the time. And uh, so I, it was on a Saturday I got called in to do an admission, you know, communicate through walkies, right? 560 is the fall code. Um, and then the four that it's on. Well, that particular time, I was downstairs doing the admission and she was working upstairs over the intercom where everyone can hear 560 this floor. And I dropped everything because I knew exactly what it was and who it was. So I went up there and... 
I took the fire exit stairs to get up there because the elevator is. Oh, wow. I didn't want to take the elevator. I, I, it takes too long. So I went up there and I turned the corner and one of the aides said, oh, there's her son. There's her son. And she was behind the the nurse's desk. So I didn't see who it was, but there was a bunch of people um, surrounding her. Like, there's her son. There's her son. So I went over to go lay by her and she was in and out of consciousness. And um, so I'm trying to talk, talk to her, keep her awake and asking her questions about us kids asking her questions about her her brother her brother's um dad and she had no idea she thought she was in arizona yeah and it was so we were waiting for the paramedics to get there i was gonna say what was the the, like the time frame like like do you know how long it took for the paramedics to get there i if i had to guess i would probably probably 10 minutes and so she when the paramedics got there they brought a stretcher up there and she did not want to get on the stretcher because she kind of came into more, she was more conscious at the time. She did not want to get on the stretcher because like everyone else, Kim, and you can attest to this, does not want to disappoint somebody in the family. And I told her like, your husband knows what's going on. He wants you to get on that stretcher and he wants you to go to the hospital. And at the time, I don't think I'd I don't think I had called him or talked to him yet because it was, it was, everything was going on so quickly. Yeah. Um, so we finally got her on the stretcher and I had gotten up off the floor and I kind of just sat back on a wall and nurses were talking to me and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? I just saw my mom dying right in front of me. Um, and while <clears throat> back, <clears throat> back to where the paramedics were there, <clears throat> they, one of them had pulled me aside and said, you know what this, what this is, right? I was like, I have a feeling I know what this is. Um, and he had asked me if she takes like, um, a certain medication and I, I couldn't tell him. I, I, I had no idea. Um, I know she struggles. She's been struggling with some, some, uh, you know, some, some pills and alcohol. So I wasn't 100% sure what it was. And so after that, I had called dad and dad, his immediate thought was, she, oh, she had a fucking stroke. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So he thought she had a stroke. So he came, whatever he was doing at the time, he came to the hospital, met us, um, and I think you would came. So wait, so you guys went, mm-hmm. did you go to the Princeton hospital then? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. So Kim, yeah, you booked there. I was there. Just my neighbors took Landon and Layla. Okay. And then I drove. You want to pull it down just a little bit? No. Okay. Um, yeah, I was trying to remember. I couldn't remember if you were at work or. No, I, we had just done a garage sale. It was the last day of oh, our garage yeah, yeah, sale. Yeah. And I got the phone call, and I ran across the street. Did I call you? You, I think you called me. Okay. Yeah. And then, so, I'm pretty sure our neighbors took the kids, and then I took off, and then I think your parents must have went and got the kids Okay. from our neighbors. This, so, now, this is where I kind of start to remember things, because the only thing that I really knew or could remember was... Um, that she had taken a fall and then it felt like she was just magically at the hospital and then that's like where where you came in yeah so then me and chris were in the room and oh, that's right yep. 
the doctor wasn't really giving us any answers and dad didn't really go in the room. Dad's so disconnected from reality Mm -hmm. and what's Mm -hmm. going on. And that's just how he lives. Um, So me and Chris were in the room and the doctor was like not giving us a whole lot. Mom was like in and out still, um, but she was more conscious. But she's just like, I don't know what happened. And then I think I even asked the doctor, like, did you do a CT scan? Like, did you check her head? He's like, well, do you want me to? And I go, isn't that standard if someone falls and hits their head? Protocol. Yeah. So we were like, this doctor was ridiculous. And Chris, I've never seen Chris like yell at somebody. And he started yelling at this doctor like he was pissed. Me? Yeah. Do you remember yelling at him? I don't. Oh, yeah, you Interesting. did. It was, it, you were fired up. Because we were both like, like, what is going on with her? Oh, I think her blood pressure is low. She's probably just dehydrated. And you're like, no, she like fell and she urinated and she was not conscious. And he's, and then he said, if he, she gets up and walks around the nurse's station, she's going to be good for discharge. And me and you were like, her CT scan came back normal. And her blood pressure, wasn't it like 190 over one something? Yeah. It wasn't even low. No. So it's like, that's not dehydrated. Your blood pressure is low. So we were both like, this is not right. And then that's when we all came together outside in the waiting room. And mm. I said, I'm taking her to St. Cloud Hospital. Right. This is ridiculous. Like something's going on and they're not finding out what's wrong. And I think I had to convince mom. So then mom and Jason got into my vehicle. Oh, Jason was there. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. When did Jason come into the picture? Jason got there a bit after I did. You, did you call him? I think I called him. I See, can't remember. It's it's crazy because... I think I, when chaos like that happens, I can't remember who called who. Exactly. And I it's, cra- it's weird to think when you originally said you and Chris were in the room, I'm thinking it was you two. No, you were in the room. I don't remember that. Yeah, wow. You were chewing the doctor out. Like, you were... I was scared of you. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I think it's because you saw everything and this guy wasn't giving us any answers. Yeah. And he, you can say, I don't know. Just say, I don't know. But like, like a, put her on observation for a night and mm-hmm. watch her. Like, so you, who did, you rode with dad to St. Cloud. Megan must have drove separate. Jessica was there too at a, some point. Yeah. So then we get to St. Cloud when we hit 95. So the hospital, we turned off, got onto 95. And then so she's, wait, there were three, three cars? I think that, yeah, because I think Megan drove separate. So Jason okay. could ride with yes. me and be with mom. Oh, oh, oh right. okay, okay, yeah. okay. And then um, she had a seizure in my car. She started seizing. And I know what a seizure looks like. I was like, and immediately then you think of, okay, she fell and she urinated herself and she was not conscious. That's so a seizure. So w- were you driving when? I was driving. And so Jason was in the Jason back Jason was her? in the back seat. Okay. So I pulled right over onto 95 and just like held her to make sure she like wouldn't freak out i think dad was right behind someone was right behind me and i think we called and said i was like mom's having a seizure in my car right now and i think i watched her and it was a minute or two and then she like came to and that's when i was trying to decide do i call another ambulance but like also our brains are wired really weird to the and you could probably say this too is everything's cost so much money so mm. in my head, I'm like, see, that's I, what I thought you were going to say first about the stretcher thing was was the money that's well, tied to that's it. That's the thing too. It's disappointment and everything costs money. So mm. in my head, I'm like, I could get her to St. Cloud probably quicker than an ambulance can get here. Get her, and that's another ambulance right. bill. Right. And I know like everything's about money you know, <coughs> to my dad, and my dad doesn't help my mom pay her medical bills. So I'm like, well, so 
she stopped season. We got her like okay, and then we kept we went to St. Cloud, and then when they roomed her, I think you stayed out in the waiting room. Yes, yep. The only the only time you were in the room was when we were in Princeton. When we got to St. Cloud, I went in the room with Dad, and I still remember the provider because I worked with him when I was in the ER. Um, but that's when he came in and he like asked Mom a bunch of questions and all that and then he had her stick her tongue out and this is before i knew a lot about alcohol withdrawal which now i know a lot about but her tongue was tremor tremorous and you can't like fake that that is something like that is a mm-hmm. telltale sign of alcohol withdrawal interesting i so i didn't know that part of the story yeah i didn't so had her stick her tongue out and he <laughs> he goes you're going through alcohol withdrawal the only time your tongue ever does that is when you're going through alcohol withdrawal. And then he walked out of the room and I'm like, what the fuck? I said, my mom does not drink alcohol. And I looked at dad and dad walked away. He like took off to the waiting room. And oh, I was Jesus like Christ. looking at mom like, and mom wouldn't say anything. So, so I rem- the two guys that are in that fucking room then, both of them walked out on her. Yeah. Wow. So then, That's a really good observation. Holy yeah. smokes. So then I walked Jesus out of the room because I'm like, well, I got to go. I'm sure dad was going to go out there and tell somebody. So I walked out of the room and one of the nurses in the ER, she's like, hey, you have to get your mom to admit to how much she's drinking because we can't really treat her unless she's willing to. Like they can assume it's alcohol withdrawal, but the way to treat alcohol withdrawals with benzodiazepines and they're not just mm. going to give somebody right. benzodiazepines right. unless we know about how much she drinks and all that. Like clinically, it says alcohol withdrawal. She's saying she doesn't drink. Right. And so because she's an adult free agency. Yeah. 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 So um, I did. I went in the room and I bo- had to bully her and it was the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. I think I came out of, into the waiting room and just said, I have to. And she did. Mom confessed to drinking hot 100. Lots of it. Doesn't even know how much. And I, it was still so weird to us because we grew up in a household that people didn't drink. Mm-hmm. Like our parents right. didn't drink. I remember one Christmas mom got a bottle of champagne and drink champagne there was another there's another time i don't know how often she did this but i do remember her having because i had asked the question if i can have that and it was in the fridge and it was wine coolers oh yeah she would have wine coolers yeah. on occasion yeah but like wine coolers that hot well, 100 is a lot different than yeah, a oh, wine cooler right, yeah. and the thing we were talking about before you came in was um uh you guys so you and mom had drank with each other a few times mm-hmm. like it wasn't like a regular occurrence no, no. um w- would she just drink beer with you then or i don't think she ever drank beer i think it was always whatever hard liquor she could get like the hot 100 just everything kind of seems like a fuzz to me like it was a hot 100 or it was the the root beer schnapps or whatever no yeah she root beer schnapps and she like peppermint schnapps yeah one time i remember her drinking that but like i don't not think like she regularly sh- like we went we grew up in a small town where people drank like like we on the weekends with their parents mm-hmm. like oh, we yeah. didn't grow up like that right but My, but that's the thing though is i'm like connecting this now as to like so you were stepping away from drinking yes yep but if she already had that stuff and she's so used to when people don't want to interact with me i go to my room lay in bed smoke cigarettes and watch tv if you have substance on top of that what else are you gonna do it's Mm -hmm. here why not so like it's kind of coming together a little more as to like how that pattern could have started and how easy it is to hide that shit because no one's going in there and hanging out with her 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, and she isolated a lot too. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. what I'm saying is like when you're so used to isolating. Yeah. Well, and then, yeah, drinking, like she probably, I don't, yeah. So then she fessed up and then she was on the neural unit for a few days to get through the alcohol withdrawal and all that. And then her mom still didn't even believe that's what it was. She always fixated like it's her mental health. And I'm like, no, she was going through alcohol withdrawal. Like she had seizures and what I know now about um, alcohol withdrawal is like if your your threshold gets a lot less. Mm-hmm. So like she was probably having some delirium at some, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like the more I've learned now about alcohol withdrawals, like if she were to go down that same route, it's going to take her less and less to get to that seizure threshold, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's probably gone through alcohol withdrawal numerous times and then she would just drink because she felt like shit. And that's that's the issue too with addiction, right? It's they're not addicted to the process; they're just addicted because they don't want to feel coming it, down. It, it depends, but the the thing is, the process becomes a part of that. So, okay. um, like when somebody has a hard day at work, go into the fridge and they grab a cold bottle of beer, oh, sure. twist the cap. So your brain gets used to. Mm-hmm. If if you do this ritual, then this outcome happens. Gotcha. So there there does become a ritual part of it, but you're also right in that like the main goal is that when your serotonin bank is like depleted, that your brain goes, we need that. So how can we, you know, try to try to fix dopamine. that? Yeah, and so it tries to introduce dopamine because dopamine um, means you're surviving. It's a whole fucking thing. Another thing too is I think what was going on during this time is Chris had moved out. Yes. We were talking and about that too. That mm-hmm. my mom has spent her entire life focused on us yeah. in a different and other people. Well, and we talked about too, like how when you were younger, like as soon as you were able to communicate, you know, like hold a conversation, you were like the first person that she felt she had on her side. Yeah. And it's interesting is when I spent time with Jess a couple of weeks ago, I told her about some things and she's like, I don't even know if Chris knows all this stuff. So that's something that Chris and I were touching on too. It's like, there's so many things that happened in our <clears throat> childhood that, you know, I have no fucking clue. I just don't think you remember it because you were so young. So do you remember taking off on your bike when I told you mom and dad were going to get divorced? Yeah. So we were coming she picked us up from school right we got in the garage and she had told you like you need to tell chris that we're getting a divorce third grader by the way third grade i was in third grade and i, I had thinking, to tell my younger brother yeah. who's a kindergartner that his parents are getting divorced i was thinking we were a little bit older but yeah that's that sounds about right now i remember i don't remember like i got on my buck i just remembered i got out and i went to the highway and you chased me down yeah so you were brexton's age and i was about layla's age so try and picture that so i was a year younger than layla and I'm sitting there telling a Brexton, like, your mom and dad are getting divorced. And, like, so, it's did so... Your, did, the weird thing is, did your dad even know? Yeah. I think, so. yeah, he knew. Because what had happened is all the stuff that built up that still in my mind at a third grader, I shouldn't have known about my dad's numerous affairs mm. and what my mom had read that he was doing online. Like, my mom has newspaper clippings of my some of the things my dad has done. Which is blows my mind. So um, so yeah. So all of this, right? Which so, I don't know if you know all those. I things. don't. So I don't remember why Dad had to go to the bank 
I was with him that day. I don't remember why he had to go to the bank, but mom had a, yeah, mom had a lockbox in the bank, right? Where she was stashing money. Oh. So there was was money there, but there was also pages of that conversation. Oh, the ICQ. Yes. So you remember ICQ? It was (laughs) like, yeah. So. What um, what the hell is ICQ? So it used to be like an AIM, but it was like the first kind of like, yeah, it was a very, very, very rudimentary. Like, it's the only reason I laugh is because I got caught going to hang out with my friends because I left ICQ open. Yeah. So, <laughs> dad was conversing with another woman on ICQ and, and my mom. And Jason, I, actually, I think Jason came across the transcript. Yes, he did. And then yep. mom found it all and printed everything to have that evidence because she knew going to court with him is, was going to be a nightmare because oh, of his man. status in our community mm-hmm. so i remember i do remember that because he had jason he had asked jason to help him out with this computer stuff to try and figure it out how to how to use it but i often think of that day where you told me they were getting divorced i often think of that because that was the day if they that's kind of the day that everything changed because if they did if i did not run away they would have gotten a divorce they stayed together for the kids, right? Mm-hmm. Mom stayed together because she was going to leave us. And she could not leave us with my dad. Yeah. Well, so, th- okay. So this all ties back into what, what ended up happening that day. So she latches on to you guys because you're able to hold court with her. And you're it's very easy to side with your mom because this is your mom. So, of course, the things that, that she's saying are going to be... Well, and you, you have so to, when she was in the hospital too, which is interesting, I work with the psych provider now. And well, I, I was just going to say that um, then both of you are gone and doing your own thing. And now she's on her own. She doesn't have, she doesn't have Vicky. She doesn't have her dad. You, she, she doesn't, doesn't have, have you. Fred. She doesn't yeah. have us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what else is there to do, but isolate more deeper and deeper and deeper. And, yeah. and then you and especially end up, when you don't feel like you have that connection with your spouse. Like, yeah. There's no... And then her mom's here and there, and her mom's not the oh the uh, and, worst influence. Oh yeah, and she's told us that like her mom, like my mom's trauma history is unreal. Like the things that she's lived through. Yeah, we is, we talked about that, like the the social norms within the communities that she was in, and like how you just have to stuff it down because shit like this is just going to keep happening. Well, and, and a boyfriend putting a bomb in her car, trying to kill her. Oh, that's God, why that's she ended right. up. Up north, Minnesota. She had so a, this is shit that I've never heard. Yeah. So mom had a boyfriend when she lived in Arizona. So essentially my mom raised herself because both of her parents were out having affairs on each other and had a drinking problem. And then she ended up in Arizona with a boyfriend and he tried killing her and put a bomb in her car. So then she, that's why she ended up up north because her dad's a cop and she felt safe. Okay. So that's why she moved up to Minnesota. That was the only, she somehow escaped from this guy and then that's when she met my dad and then felt safe. If I marry a police officer, I'll mm-hmm. be safe. That's what she saw as safety. Knowing that her entire childhood, she never felt safe. You know, she got perpetrated on. Yep. She, you know, all these things had happened to her and she felt, well, if I marry this cop, I'm going to feel safe. And then unfortunately, yeah. more events occurred after getting married. Yeah. And then, yeah. With getting her to... Because eventually you got her to to say that she had yeah, been that drinking. Sucked, but um, what were the the steps after that then? So she was hospitalized. She, they, you know, you, you have to medicate somebody. 
Um, and alcohol withdrawal is the only withdrawal that will kill somebody. So that's terrifying. If we wouldn't have, if we wouldn't have taken her to St. Cloud, I don't know what would have happened. Mm-hmm. I've okay. So this is a. I was just talking about this with somebody where with the whole withdrawal thing. So opiate withdrawals. You feel like you want to die, but you're not going to die. You technically don't die from the withdrawal, but if you have, if the conditions are right, the seizure, like. If somebody hadn't seized, then they're not gonna fall, hit their head, whatever. So like, there's like you're uh, you're technically not dying of the seizure, but there are people who have died of opiate withdrawal. And okay, well, we're not gonna get technical about yeah, that because me and you can go back and forth. Yeah, 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 I yeah. work with actual professionals. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, they got worked her through that. I remember I visited mom on one of my lunch breaks, and yeah, Della was there, Grandma was there, oh. and it was just like. Me and her buttheads. <clears throat> and the then mom person. met with, and this is where I still was angry at my dad is the psych provider met with her and was like, told us like your mom has had significant trauma and yeah, I know. And my dad just like, but you know, he just like brushes it off. Like, cause he doesn't believe in mental health. He doesn't believe that things that you go through can affect your life. He just thinks he grew up on a farm. You just get over it. Like his dad was awful too. So it's just like, you just get over it. And the fact that mom couldn't get over the fact that all these things had happened in that short period of time on top of all these millions of other things that my dad just like forgets about mm-hmm. and so that's why i was frustrated sitting in that meeting with the psych provider and i think the psych provider too was just like what the fuck was dad in that meeting too? yeah it was me dad and the psych provider and it was just like and i and it breaks my heart because it's like i know that she's gonna have to go back and live with him like yeah, and yeah. you just hope that. And then I think, so after that, they set her up with a psychotherapist that she saw once and then never followed up with because they didn't set up more appointments. But that's also on her. Like, you also need mm-hmm. to follow up. Like, yeah. And then she just, and I mean, obviously, a couple relapses. And she identifies it now, though. At least she's able to talk about it. But before, she wouldn't even admit to it. Like, even when we're like, you went through alcohol withdrawal. Yeah. She's, right. Did we bring her home? Because I remember, no, I think Dad brought her home. Dad brought her home. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. shortly after we we yep, went there, because it was like a week later she relapsed, mm-hmm. and we ended up at the house, and she was on the deck, and I was trying to get her to go to detox. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. And she refused to go. Refused to go. Because she was saying that she didn't have anything, and I I remember saying, okay, so if we go in there right now, and we start looking around, are we going to find anything? And uh, I don't know. And uh, <laughs> but then eventually, yeah. We, we went through and found just bottle after bottle after yeah. bottle and uh, medication bottles that had labels that we didn't recognize and yeah. it was just chaos. But again, that goes back to, you know, she was, Ahmed was on here and he talked about how he stopped speaking up because nothing ever changed. And I think to your mom, why talk about the problem? Because what changes after? Are you guys going to stick around? Are you yeah. going to come? And I think your dad made a good and... point too. Is like their generation's different. Like me and your dad had this conversation. Well, you wake up and you go to work. Well, it's not just that. Like addiction's a dirty word oh, for yeah. their generation. It's like that's a yucky word. Our generation, we like eh, I'm addicted to blah blah blah. Yeah, like we just yep. like talk about it like that. But like their generation's like addiction's like a you don't that's a you don't yucky. Yeah. So it's still like frowned upon well, in there. It, it was associated with like delinquency. Yeah. Like you mm-hmm. you weren't just an addict. You if you were an addict, what else are you up to? 
Yeah. They want to dig deeper and, you know, uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I get that. Yeah. So in your, and I think too, the not following up with psychotherapy, everything costs money. That's all I would hear yep, say. Yep, well, yep. therapy costs money. And then when you live in a house where someone's not like you or in a marriage where the other person doesn't financially support you and it's all on you, that's hard. So it's like she never had that support to get through it. And I think eventually she just had to keep hitting barrier, barrier, like hitting all these things to finally get to where she is now. But everything, my dad will, everything is back to addiction. Like when she had COVID. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he didn't even want to help out. Like I had to go pick her up because she couldn't breathe on the phone. I brought her to the ER and they're like, she's got COVID. Mm-hmm. That was terrifying. And then w- when dad found out it was COVID and not an addiction or not alcohol or anything, like then he'll take care of her. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, but I, I was with you when you brought her to the hospital. Yes. I remember that. Yep. And you came with me to pick her up. Mm-hmm. But uh, she was like, she had that brain fog. She was so, and then when, and then my dad didn't really believe it until the, the doctor was, I told my dad, well, I had to tell my dad, if you're not going to take care of her, she needs to come to my house. Like, I need you to commit to oh, taking yeah, care yeah, yeah. of her. And I think I've gotten to that age where I can just, now I just tell my parents how it is. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not going to help, then I, I was just going to ask that. So, like, I, you're like, a, you know what a linchpin is? No. So, you could have this well-orchestrated, like, think about, like, the U.S. government. There is one facet that if you broke it, then everything breaks. So linchpin is the one tiny thing that seems insignificant or not that big of a deal um, that if you were to take it away, it ruins everything. So you were, in in a sense, a linchpin in that household in that you were the first person to be able to bounce scenarios off of and have somebody on their side. And then because you had adopted that protector role, that bled into Chris's situation when he was growing up. And so then when you moved out, it started to kind of steamroll this, you know, scenario. Not that it's your fault because you were doing what a normal adult does, but because she hadn't been able to create coping mechanisms and and, um, survival skills and things like that it just kind of started to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, so, I think then she started trying to push, like make pull Chris into that role. Yes. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, and then Chris was at a different point in his life too, where he's trying to figure out himself. Well, and, I mean, remember how he was working like nonstop plus trying to get Harlow, yeah. you know, all these things. And then on top of that, yeah, shit starts to happen where you're having to step up and take care of, of your mom. And it's just, bananas yeah so i mean with and then unfortunately jason's like gotten out of all of this we kind of, we kind of <clears throat> we'll let him know when we need to right yeah when we feel we need to um it's not like jace jason won't come around oh to help. no yeah, no it, no but i think like he moved out and like he was always busy too mm-hmm. and he then he moved like far away, not far, an hour away, but that's further than where we're at. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, sometimes I think like, <clears throat> how much does Jason know? Is he doing, the, the, did he do this just to get away from, yeah. how much did he see? I, I don't know. Well, and dad was completely different towards Jason than he was to you. Like oh, yeah. growing up, yeah. seeing how 
mean and awful he could be to diff- like uh, different things. It mm-hmm. was crazy. Because, yeah. He, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think dad attached to you a lot, though, because you were the sports boy. There's a lot of similarities there, yeah. He had a lot of similarities. And Jason, he tried, um, but he had different interests. And dad yeah. couldn't relate to those interests. Dad did not. Under- everything was cartoons. It was never anime. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. like you and your cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, when. So, because what's the age difference? We're all three years apart. Okay. So. He had medical things that needed to be taken care yeah. of, which are very matter of fact for your dad. Mm-hmm. So those are mm-hmm. easier to deal with than your feelings. I don't want to yeah. have to deal with feelings. No one likes so that. then when Jason moved out, if the only thing that Jason is asking for are these very basic like needs and things that are easy to take care of, then it that because when I see your dad interact with Jason, it, I mean, from the beginning, it was very easy. How's work going? How's this? Yeah. Do you need blah, blah, blah? And then Jason leaves and that's it. Yeah. So like the, he didn't have to do the things that you fuckers. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> then I am like the over emotional, dramatic, crazy. Like he already didn't like dealing with girls the way it was. Like right. he wouldn't change my diaper. He never changed my diaper growing up. Like girls were like. Yuck. And so he did not know how to deal with me. And then, of course, I had all this other shit happen and he just did not know how to deal with it. And then Chris was like into sports, super laid back, chill. He's like, I got this guy. You figure out how to deal with her. <laughs> it's, it was funny. But because crazy because he broke windshields and did all this crazy shit. Broke windshields. But there was this one time where I thought our relationship, whatever it was, was going to was was it. Um, when I was smoking pot with some friends, do you know about this? So I, I was doing. Did you know that your brother did drugs? <laughs> I did know that. So I was, I was with some friends in the garage. You know whose garage? Uh, well, oh, it's not our garage. Not our garage. <laughs> okay. But we we're all paranoid that there was a there's somebody's somebody's mother. There's a mother fucking community, right? There's Everyone a motherfucking was, community. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be a nice one. No. <laughs> But they were all after us. I don't know why they thought that, but anyways. <clears throat> were you doing K2? My God. K2? She's still Spice. trying to mother you, you know, cut the umbilical cord. Keep going. Chris. So anyways, we did that. <clears throat> I got on my I got on my mountain bike, right? I'm fucking pedaling home. <laughs> Longest fucking ride ever, right? I get did home you and- you have a driver's license? No. I didn't get my license until I was 18. Well, that's right. So- I get Still home. Golden child here. Fuck. Can't even get things done right on time. We've d- already declared Jason is the golden child. No, uh-uh. <laughs> he's never going to admit to it, but he is the golden child. Didn't graduate on time. Didn't get his driver's license on time. Did nothing standard. Had a baby out of wedlock. He's still the golden child. I had a baby while I was married. I was never going to amount to anything. But Kim, Kim would you say you have some resentments? A hundred percent. I. But okay, go ahead. So you're riding your mountain bike super fast at 18. <laughs> it's a fucking 10 speed. It's the most like patronizing. Yeah. No. Oh shit. Okay. Fuck you. So your longest ride home. So anyway, so I get home from and, Richards and Dad. No, it was a, Dad was sitting on the chair. On the deck. Oh. No, in the living room. Okay. I open the door. I'm like, what's up, guys? <laughs> when do I ever open up the door and say that? Anyways, 
He's sitting there and he's like, get your fucking ass in the car. We're going to the station to take a piss test. And I'm like, can I just be honest with you? <laughs> like, not necessary. <laughs> and he's like, like I do have to pee, but also I'm really high. <laughs> 30 years of my fucking career and you just pissed it away in one night. Right? Come on. Right? That like, was when. Like none of your other cop kids are worse off than us. Go ahead, doll. Yeah. But that's when I thought it was that was it. Because I was grounded. From was, your mountain bike? <laughs> <laughs> he locked it up. He took the air pump. <laughs> <laughs> You're going nowhere. Yeah. Uh, Were you still in high school? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was um, grounded until further notice. You like hearing that? <laughs> Have you checked? Are you still grounded? <laughs> yeah, what's the statute of limitations on this? Yeah, what's further notice? I'm curious. Where's, so where's the fine print on that? As I'm grounded to my fucking room, I was hanging out with bad kids at the time. As I was grounded to my Kim's room. Kim's ex-boyfriends. Yeah. I snuck out at midnight. To How'd go you sneak out? To go with these kids to go TP a house. Yeah. Why? Why? I don't know. So then I came home and, what the fuck are you doing? You know, he's sitting on his chair again. I'm like, oh shit, here we go again. You're grown until further notice times two. No, he didn't say that. But and now your dad's. Times <laughs> <laughs> You should really check on that. No. But it was, I don't know how we have the relationship we do today. I'm sorry. But. What the fuck, man? I had to get a master's degree and he still barely likes me. <laughs> well, I, again, it, it starts to go to what are your needs? And you're still associated with having to, when there's a problem with mom, Kim is there. Yeah. And oh, Kim's going to come save the day. You know, you're. No, in- he's probably like, thank God someone else is going to come save the day and I don't have to deal well, with it. Well, but do you get what I'm saying though? Yeah. Like, it's, I think he still has, yeah, the, these connotations of why, why is Kim the one that people go to why why is she always involved in all of these things how come people aren't just taking care of their own shit that's what it is you know what i mean but yeah why are you such a reliable human being you piece of shit although i felt like i wasn't reliable a couple weeks ago but it's because i put my foot down damn it yeah um so but needing a ride home thing remember um, yep. we also, so all of, all of this is to say like, um, we had very different childhoods. We had the same childhood, but very different. Yeah. We had a different dad. Right. Same dad, biologically different dad. Well, but he Good also, point. he had, I mean, he had his struggles too though. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, for sure. I'm not saying he did not. And, um, and you guys both had to use that fucking shower in the basement. So <laughs> the worst same team. Ever. Do you remember the squeegee mom bot? Like we're gonna take care of the shower with the with the squeegee. Yeah, because <laughs> Grandma Olson, you had to squeegee her shower. Do you remember that? Oh, uh, because she'd shit all over the place. No, you remember you got yelled at for the shower. <laughs> no, I know. Um, yeah, we. It's funny to think too is that we thought we grew up really, really, really poor. Like, did you think we grew up poor? Yeah. yeah. Nope. I, and then it's. I'm just to let you know, we all think that you grew up poor. <laughs> but continue. But to know that dad just stashes money away, which is crazy to me. Like you made us. He's like the little thing from Fantastic Beasts. The stuff stuffs the coins in his belly. Yeah. (laughs) But. Um, But so all of this is to say, like, 
with everything that you guys went through, uh, Chris and I were talking about how you guys both saw this thing that you wanted, which was to, if you Become ever evil. get the chance. Yes. Also, I mean, Bert, uh, Phil McCracken. Robbie. Sorry, Robbie. Robbie. Um, but this Robbie, this no. goal of like what a family sh- could look oh, like. Oh, I see where you're coming. You know what I mean? He's spinning it around. That's funny. I talked to Jess about this in the car. Because I said, I think that Chris and I, I'm going to interrupt you. I know this is your podcast, but shut up for a oh, second. Oh, you're doing the. Yeah. Um, I was telling Jess this. I <laughs> Listen think, here, bitch. I think we saw our parents' marriage and how we were as a family. And yeah, our parents stayed married. Cool. We don't have a bunch of different like parents, which whatever, who cares? But it was such an unhealthy relationship and family dynamic ever. You, I would have rather my parents had been divorced. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Chris was saying the same thing. 100%. But I think we saw that and we're like, we're not gonna. We we knew what we wanted to be as parents. Like I'm like I am. This is how I'm gonna be as a parent. I think we used the crap that we went through and saw to change how we are as parents and as significant others and i may be speaking on behalf of you well i, I nope, think you guys right. you bounced that off of it like it feels like you guys found that like that camaraderie that light yeah. at the end of the tunnel together in the shit that you were going yeah, through we be- skipped through the light together okay yeah. held hands yeah wouldn't it be nice if i had a family dynamic that was better <laughs> right um something like that <laughs> so but I mean, it it could have been really easy mm-hmm. to fall into the pattern of your parents, mm-hmm. what some people call the sins of our fathers, right? Um, and then to have to dredge that through your family and you're constantly trying to evade this thing. But I think the fact that you guys had each other, you were able to, you talked about the the dashboard confessional that you were listening to in the car. Yeah. And and how that really connected with you and resonated with you. I remember this. <clears throat> the, the relationship between you and I had changed so much. It kind of started at this point was when we would ride to school together and you would have these EPs from Dashboard Confessional, the All-American Rejects. It changed back Sunday, there. Yeah. Because yeah. you were listening to garbage rap music. I hated it. Ah, I knew it. So Eminem. So Oh, I, he loved Eminem. I'm like, do you know what this guy is saying? At that point, I had we also I had what are you, a boomer? I had the coolest <laughs> the coolest mom of all the baseball kids on my team yeah. because she rocked out to Eminem. We hard. drove to baseball games, windows fucking down in our Dodge Durango, <laughs> blasting like fucking curtain call Eminem, you know. So anyways, yeah. Got out of that music, and that's really where our relationship started. Yeah. I think the thing is, is I I felt protective over Jason and you. So I had this weird protective thing where, like, Jason, I remember, do you remember, I can still say the guy's name, I'm not going to say it on here, but he would bully Jason all the time at recess, and me and Jason were at recess at the same time, and I yelled at this kid. I was three years younger than him, and I yelled at him. And then there was a kid that was a year older than you, and we were at, uh, there was a fire drill, so we were all standing outside, and I heard him talking about you, saying that you were an R-word, and look what he does with his head, and blah, 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 and I grabbed him. That's what him. I was trying to remember. Yep. I, I, there was teachers by me, too, and I'm like, if I ever hear you effing talk about my brother like that again, I will beat your ass, and the teachers just stood there and let me yell at him. What's funny is, years later, I was at a party when me and you were separated, and he was hitting him on me at this party, and I was like, if you think I would ever give you the time of day, you are wrong. I remember what you said about my brother and 
people like you never change. So you're going to tell me about this out here because I don't know who that was. But I remember this growing up dealing with all of that shit, right? There was always, it was so much worse with kids just a year older than me. And there's this one fucking kid that like. I wonder if it's the same one that was being. That's what I'm I'm wondering too. And I'm like, why the fuck are you treating me like this? Like we'd just be sitting like two tables away from each other at lunch. And I'm like. And you just by you stand you... up and be an asshole. Like, when's your next uh, rock album coming out? You, f-? you know, like, mm. bro. So stupid. So stupid. So, anyway. Yeah. Um, but, the... but then I brought Chris to Warped Tour. I mean, I changed his life. <laughs> <laughs> what I was what I was trying to lead to with that whole the song thing, right? There's this whole other world of people who convey their feelings and then there's a community that gets together at these shows and build these bonds. And so, like, you... you Maybe it's because we weren't allowed to talk about our feelings or feel feelings that we really connected with that kind of music because mm-hmm. they talk about their feelings so much. And we're like, oh, we can let out our feelings and not be told that we need to keep it all inside and we can't cry? That's what I'm saying. And, th- like, t- so, like, for you, it was <laughs> oh the lyrics. For you, the community was a big part Cute of it. boys. Cute boys. Yeah, Chris knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) The swoopy hair boys. I just got to focus on my art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that that thing allowed you to continue to see what that situation, to see that situation uh, for what it was. And to be able to, like, what I was trying to say before is like, you have this love and you have th- all of this stuff to offer it you just have to find the right person mm-hmm. and once you get that chance it's going to be totally different and you guys hung on to that and you worked your absolute ass off to to get you know where you guys are now and kim obviously still so much work to go but <laughs> you I'm trying. <laughs> no, I, I, I think like it's tough to shake that feeling of still having something to prove. I think that's it, too. I think I'm 35 years old and I feel like I'm still trying to impress my dad, and but I'm an adult. Yeah, I can see that. <clears throat> so, yeah. I'm sure you feel that way, I, too, I, though. I took on wrestling and who, was, who did I think was going to think that was the coolest thing ever? You know? Yeah. Yeah. But even now, like you do you brag about what you do at work and your house and all this stuff? Like, look what I got. Look, mm-hmm. look how. No, well, no, I do. Although dad well, will come mean, to my new house. So my, our new house, man, I never thought we would be in a house like that. You know? Yeah, me either. I walk into your house. I'm like, I can't believe Chris lives here. Yeah. I <laughs> said just lets you rent a room there. Exactly. Okay, Don, it's you a- need to <laughs> dial it back. <laughs> Chris, I'm sure you do one liners, too. I have to pee. Are we almost done? Yes. I was trying to wrap it up to say the... Cigarettes. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Um, But I'm curious, when it comes to uh, your kids, our kids, um, the things that you see, do you get caught up in, like, you see a beautiful moment, and does it ever kind of send you back to say, fuck, I wish I had that, Mm -mm. or... Is it now just moving forward? It's moving, moving forward. forward yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Because I get to, I feel like I'm experiencing it twice now as a parent. 
Like we, our childhood, we didn't travel. We didn't do things a lot with our parents. Like we had one, va- like we went to Iowa once and feel the dreams. Yep. And then we went to the state fair usually <laughs> and then Valley fair and the mall of America once. We really didn't get to experience a lot of stuff because our dad won't fly. Our vacations were what? Holiday Inn. What? Yeah, there's a pool at the Holiday Inn. Yeah, stick down a, to Fairmont. Stick <coughs> a weekend. Yep. Or go up to Grandma and Grandpa's house on the lake. But that was. But Dad wouldn't go up there. No. So I feel like as I, I think that's why I want to do so much with the kids and want to. I'm like annoying because I didn't get that as a child, and I want them to experience that. And you had so many experiences growing up. You got to travel. You got to see so much. And your parents. I think that was. And was, I'm still I, fucked up. Well, it's true. I think the thing, too, is I was actually talking to a coworker yesterday about this and the fact that you and your parents, I saw what a functional married couple was and the fact that your parents were so loving and caring towards their kids and not saying our parents didn't love or care about us. It just was different than your parents are like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you can have a well, marriage the expression, like right? It's, the, yeah. It's verbalized. Your parents it's, are all about emotion and feeling. And I'm like, I did not like we didn't talk about our feelings growing up or anything where your dad's like so emotional and touchy feeling and huggy where I'm like, this is weird. Like, well, don't yeah. make it sound gross. Well, I didn't. I got to pee. <laughs> Can we wrap this up anyway? So. so so yeah. So now like the the I don't goals that you have for your about, kids. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get sad anymore about my childhood. I've. I used to get sitting like, let me feel my feels. And now I'm to the point in my adulthood where I'm like, I can't change any of it. I've just used it to push forward and be the person I am now. And I know the kind of life I want my kids to have. And that's it. That's all I can do. The only thing that really makes me sad is the fact that I feel like my mom will never know what it's like to be in that loving, affectionate, caring marriage that she deserves, that she's always deserved. And how awful to be 58 years old and not feel like the kind of love that I get to feel from you. I think that's what kills me the most is that my mom's stuck and she's going to die stuck where she's at. I don't know if you feel this. I do. Um, I feel like there's some of dad that comes out on me towards the kids. If I get angry at something, I make it a point to apologize every time that happens yeah i do too nope i think that's we have that similar then like i yelled at layla in the car the other day because i was frustrated she was like flipping around i was waiting to pick up landon and i was like knock it off like the way my dad would yell at me but then there was never apology and then i had her Mm -hmm. sit in the front because she was crying like do you understand why i yelled at you i'm worried about you being safe i'm sorry i yelled at you i'm sorry that it scared you and i'm sorry that you're sad i just love you and i don't want you to get hurt so you do have like an alarm oh yeah yep because i hear my dad sometimes when i yell a certain way or talk to the kids a certain way and i'm like oh yucky 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 especially when when you yell at the kids and you're like i want you guys to be in sports and your voice gets real deep okay can i pee and we can come back to this no we get we could have ended it well i mean she said her her yeah. part so uh, yeah i'm curious is on on your end is to like what you know like you were saying with with having that that um that alarm that alarm yeah it's i there's times where i get pissed off you know for for whatever reason i don't want my kids kind of going through the same shit i did right mm-hmm. so i see i want a better future for them um i want a better childhood for them than what I, we had but when i do feel that alarm or hear that alarm and i'm like 
we can't change our childhood, right? Right. It is what it is. But we can make it a better future for our kids and a better future for, for ourselves. So, you know, it's I want my kids to feel I don't want my kids in twenty years to be on this podcast. <laughs> 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 There you go. If, if you know what I mean, I one thousand percent. I can I can already say like I mean a massive thing that I notice is the you hold your kids, you kiss yeah. your kids, yes. you, you do these. I never things. thought you would do that because you're such an asshole growing up. Yeah, yeah. Also em. gay. Uh, <laughs> well, our dad never. Never. Well, like that, now that's what I'm saying. Us. It's weird now, is because like now he'll hug me when he sees me and all that. Okay, this like... is about Chris now. Okay, sorry. So, what I'm saying is the the things that sh- come naturally to you, mm-hmm. the fact that they come naturally and you're not forcing these things, that is already such a huge, huge thing to your kids that they'll never. It won't be a. They won't go. Wow, my dad hugged me a lot and my dad kissed me a lot. They'll just go. Yeah, no, my dad was there. Mm-hmm. He did these things. Right. Um, so even if, you know, you can't kick your heroin addiction, they're still <laughs> going to remember. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Yeah. Like yep. whatever, you know, faults you have or whatever adversities you go through, they're going to know how much their dad loves them. I did worry about you, though, because you oh, have okay. a lot of no, anger like dad did. Mm-hmm. Like growing up, like yeah. anger. Yeah. And so yeah. I did worry what you were going to be like as a partner and as a father. And it's just crazy to see how you're so different. I hated, I hate that. I hated that part of me. I just, I don't know what it was, but there's just, gotta, I think you spent a lot. You spent way more time with dad than Jason and I did. We were yeah. with mom a lot, but when we would go away for the weekend to grandma and grandpa's, you always stayed back with dad. So I think you saw a lot. Oh, really? Of, did I? Oh, oh yeah. Mom kicks her. Mom is very upset about that. The fact that she left you with dad as much as she yeah. did, because she feels like that is there's things you had a lot of anger, a lot of anger towards mom, lots of it, and she thinks it's because dad had this influence over you because you did spend so much time yeah, with him. I don't remember that. I really don't. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, because you were doing sports all weekend. Yeah. So you were doing sports a lot with dad, and you would just be with dad. So Jason and I w- would go up north, and we were with mom a lot. So I think that's why emotionally me and Jason are a little different, mm. too, than you are. I'm not so much anymore. Like, now we've all kind of... Yeah. Like, Jason's way more probably emotional than even I am. <laughs> anyway, no. but, he, I think, he but might, I think... Like, he might do more anal than you. But, God. Huh? Anyway, but I think... I think that um, you came like back way over here. And I think you probably, when you moved out and you saw, you're probably like, oh, I don't want to be crabby and mean all the time. Yeah. See, I was. Well, I think you found love. You found when you saw Harlow, there was this other thing, that thing that you and Kim had found. You're like, oh, it's here. Harlow really changed my life. Oh, a hundred percent. I still hug her and I kiss her to this day. You know, maybe kiss her on the head, yeah. her head, because she's almost 12 now. She's like, you, dad, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it was super important in the growing up, like, I realized, like, yeah, bad shit's going to happen. But the most important thing is, how are you going to fucking grow from it? How are you going to get better from it? 
you know, you get better the next day, right? Which is interesting because at the time, I think that is when your anger changed. Is when Harlow came around. Yeah, that's a what little he bit just before said. that. You were really like with Landon. You were. I. It's funny looking at Facebook memories now because you're always like, "When are you going to bring my nephew over?" This was before Har- Harlow was born, mm. and then you know, obviously Harlow came, and there was a change in you. And I think it's because we grew up, and you could say if you don't think this way. But we grew up that you get married and ha- you have kids and you just have kids. That's what yeah. you do. You don't necessarily have to like that fact that you have kids. You might not even have to like your kids. But that's just what people do. Mm-hmm. And then I had Landon and I was like, what is this emotion? Why do I like there's this little person I love more than anything in the world. And how can like I want to do everything for this child. And I think. Yeah, it was a weird feeling. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I mean is like that that thing because when you're younger like the the way that you're saying um how do i learn from this how do i grow from this when you're younger and you're going through it you're like how is anything ever going to get better how is how will i get out of this rut or how will i get out of like it's more of like you 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 feel trapped and how can you possibly grow when you feel like all these confinements Mm -hmm. and then Harlow comes along and that light gets opened up again and you go, Oh yeah. And I think you had a lot of struggles through your teenage years where I think because we weren't allowed to feel things, you were destructive because you couldn't feel things. You weren't allowed to show emotion. So it came out as destructive, like yeah, breaking windshields or riding a mountain bike higher than a kite, like (laughs) things like that where it was like, what did Chris break now? Oh my gosh. What did Chris break? It was always like Chris broke something. But it's because you weren't allowed to release emotions any other way. The last thing that you broke was my heart. Well, was that? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> we could go back and forth. Let's so, be done. Well, wait, you go ahead. This is your um, podcast. So things we talked about, things changed when Harlow was born. That was, I guess that was around that time too, that folder in my email was gone. Oh, Okay. Oh, that's interesting. So, did you delete the folder, or I deleted it? It deleted everything. Wow. What was in that folder? Uh, he rigged the 2004 election. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone had to. No, it was a folder of a journal of my last year on this earth. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, nobody did. But it was around that time that that folder was gone, and it was obsolete. It was just, and from there, it just you could feel again. There was something that, that makes I so much feel. sense because the way you were describing it was like you didn't want it to be your last year. I didn't. But, no. you know, trying to find something to, you know, something worth sticking around for mm-hmm. was really tough. So then, yeah, that makes total sense. When it comes to kind of the dynamic that you guys grew up in, um, do you have any advice for folks who maybe have a, a tough time detaching or setting boundaries? So that they can live, you know, take care of their own family. Does that make sense? Like, like you said, though, it's the setting boundaries. So I didn't know I had all like I had the attachment stuff with my mom till I went to therapy and the therapist pointed out. And it is setting boundaries like, yep, I will talk to you for five minutes right now or being OK to answer the phone. Be like, we can't talk right now. And letting that other person on the other side know, like, I need to focus on my family right now. Like my focus is right here right now. And it, you have to set boundaries because if you don't, that's when things get blurry and you get pulled back in. I'm still trying to learn that. There's always that thought in the back of my mind. It's what's going on at home, right? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> is we already know that, you know, dad's not checking in on mom anymore. 
Yeah. The only thing we had to take a couple weeks ago, it took our cousin that we don't talk to. I took it him to call me and call you to find hear what's going on you know what i mean mm-hmm. i don't know so i'm still trying to learn how to detach from everything still you know 100 focused on my family my immediate family i guess but i don't know that's I, a good point i, I noticed that your defenses go up really high because and and i wonder if it's if if you were to allow yourself to kind of be sucked back into that world it takes so much away from your own family Mm -hmm. and i wonder if the the anger that i see in you now um it's always centered around that it's always in the sense of don't you see how this could affect my family and don't you understand how important these people are to me Mm -hmm. when you do these things it's not just hurting you it's hurt it's potentially hurting my family it's hurting kim's family Mm -hmm. so like i i think the only times when I see you like angry is in scenarios like that. Oh yeah. I can, I, I can see that. Yeah. My, I, why? I don't know. My, why? Get... Cause it's the most important thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, why you let it get to you? You mean? Why? Yeah. I get it. Let it get to me so much. Um, living with it for, I don't know, six, seven years trying to see mom go through all these different obstacles and, not knowing how to help her get through them, I I wonder if there's like trauma, kind of. Oh, hundred percent. Right? Yeah. You know, and I think that yeah, you eventually build up defense mechanisms because yeah. you, your body remembers what that trauma feels like, and mm-hmm. to yeah, to go through that again, um, and to potentially your kids having to see that is a, a trauma that you don't want them to experience or maybe even be aware of like so i think i think it totally makes sense how you can get sucked back into that because on a you know a biological level your body is like "Uh oh the fucking thing is happening again and, yeah yep. and that can be super scary yeah for sure i can see that that's a good point what do you think yeah 100 percent. well i love you guys both very much mm-hmm. i appreciate you doing this chris i you opened up more than I thought you would have been. I'm immensely appreciative of, of what you were willing yeah, to share. Absolutely. I was coming in. Um, Not going to, you were, did you share how much you weigh and stuff like that? Oh, we, we did the weight and the height before he came in. Okay. The height laying down. Six <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. I, I came in here and I, you know, a few days thinking about it. I'm like, I get to open up as much as I can. So here it is. Awesome. Thank here, you so much. Here I is. Here I is. Here, here we is, as Kid Rock would say. All righty. Thank you again. And to the listeners, be well to yourselves. Mm-hmm.